That's your decision now, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. I would just like to take this first section of this to first and foremost congratulate Brian for being here. Two, to thank Steven Seagal for the service to this country yeah, and everything yes. he's done yeah. for the martial arts community. Yes. He, uh, was, he was my like third he, best student, in fact. Right? He was. I, he, he has single-handedly, I think, changed yeah. UFC for the better because of his well, tactics front kick, and techniques. His front kick, yeah. and also he teaches you to be water. So yeah. he's, uh, you come at him, and and, and he's, he's not there. He's behind you. Well, this yeah. is crazy. It it's actually been 15 years, so I can say this now. When, yeah. I, when I became a ranger, um, Steven Seagal was my instructor. God. Was he really? Mm-hmm. God, that does not amazing. surprise me one yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He's everywhere at once. once. Yes, mm-hmm. he is. He creates gravity, as we know, <laughs> for does. so many different reasons. That's right. It's not gravitas. It's gravity. It's gravity. He, yeah. he has planets yeah. in the tactical community just orbiting him because yeah. of his size. He's in, he's in Ukraine right now. So thank you, Steve. Yeah. I think people. that's where all the he's funding being, yeah. is single. It, it, all of it's going straight to Steven Seagal. He yeah. has a $10 million day rate. Yep, but he deserves it. I he think deserves, he deserves it. He gives 20. it all to charity. He deserves yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he gives it all to charity so he can go uh, kick ass. I'm going to say Just this right now. To kick and a lot ass. of people haven't had the experience. I've I've trained with him in in his dojo. You have. Uh, yeah. I have nothing I can get into, but right. uh, <laughs> uh, birds land on his shoulder. Yeah. When he's in the eagles. Wild. Eagles, Eagles and even sparrows. Uh, well, the the overlord of the sky will come down sometimes and pay his respect. Is this God? Sensei Seagal. Oh, Sensei. Do yeah. you think that the earth might like cease to exist when Steven Seagal um, one day, unfortunately, passes from this realm into <laughs> so another? Funny. So funny. <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> he, he's... Uh, He's not going to pass, man. Okay, that's, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, so, yeah that's yeah, fair. It's not more... Yeah. Do so, you know Steven Seagal? Like, really? Have you ever I met don't him? know. I've never I met him. Steven, but I, 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 I do know that John Leguizamo told me the story that um, he met Steven, and he, Leguizamo said something like, uh, uh, "Are you really that tough for something?" And Seagal didn't really know him and hit John, just elbowed John in the chest, and knocked him against the wall. And John was like, eh, eh, "Couldn't even catch his breath." John's not a big guy. Yeah. And that's kind of how he answered that question. Right. And the, the, when you when I hear stories like that, what happens to me is I go through in my mind what I would do. Right. Because I don't care who you are, I'm I'm coming yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. You understand? And especially right. if you're an actor in Hollywood, I hate you. Oh. So, yeah. No, those people are all good. But you're they're all really good. good people. Well, Hollywood they're is good. consistent. They're morally consistent, and yeah. uh, and you can yeah. trust them. You can trust a good. Everybody knows you can trust a good Hollywood actor. Hollywood is Latin Everybody for backbone. That. Yeah, I lived in Hollywood for like two years, and and I and I'm West not, and I'm not right? you know the the moral yeah. compass that people should look up to always. Uh, but yeah, no, no, thank you. You ever lived in West Hollywood? He, for he, a well, long he's time. got a no, I visit West Hollywood. <laughs> I lived in North Hollywood. Matt's got know, a symmetry. He's got a symmetry to his face. I'm very happy with that mustache. Mm, he's too you. afraid to go naked. Uh, sort of under the chin and yeah. just you know instead he's got a he's got say, he, but, that's but that's those shave, are training those are training wheels right no, there. No, but if I shave it, it's just I create swimming pools whenever I walk around yeah, and it's just yeah, a little dude. violent. Yeah, and, I know. And, 
Yeah, because those, and those dudes are gushing. Here. You yeah. know what I mean? They're gushing. <laughs> you're, I'm very happy with your mustache as well, as you're you know. You're very welcome. But uh, thank you for your service, dude. Thank you. See, you can see that. my mustache. Black Rifle hey, uh, eyes coffee up should just be, I know, dude. Yeah. I can't, I just keep going down to that nose caterpillar. I love it. <laughs> I know. It's fantastic. Um, best, you tried, did you try your hand at acting before you became a coffee mogul? No, I mean, I was always just not good enough to be a real actor, so I just had a YouTube channel <laughs> and, uh, you know, fair. stole pretty much all my mannerisms from Ryan Reynolds and yes. uh, chalked it up to being a C-minus celebrity, and here we are. There you are. But yeah. thank God the coffee's great, because it's it's really what held me I'm up. I'm very jealous of this. This feels like an adult playground. You built this thing. You did the forest yourself. The CEO kind of created this whole... Did you, did you build the... You work with wood, huh? Well, you smell like wood. Thank you. Yeah. I smell. I smell like wood because mm. I do a lot of things with wood. Yeah. Uh, hardwoods yeah. mainly. No, well, like so did a Jesus, lot of hardwoods. You know? So did Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He's a carpenter. Where's my camera? And uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I can't really take full credit for everything, but I will. Good. Uh, Because I I try to stay as humble as possible. He leads with humility. I do. He's mean to Humility is my best trait. That's what I've told people from the beginning. Yeah, but he walks around around firing his employees, then he rehires them. Yeah, right. He waits till they break down in tears, and he Mm -hmm. goes, You're rehired just to show them what Mm -hmm. what kind of power he has. Yes, it's not St. Patrick's Day. You know, it's not. No, it's uh, it's Christmas. Okay. Are, are you guys always surprised at the uh, <laughs> confused? But I'm go with it. Notice how I just skipped over it. <laughs> like, By the way, Evans, April Fools is St. Patrick's Day in my mind. Like, your that's, your that's tongue typically. is Smurf yellow, dude. Yeah, I mean uh, Smurf blue. It's blue because yeah. like Jericho, so Jericho uh, Denman. Yeah, he gave me is this. This uh, it's supposed to be a. a, a a neurotropic and oh, a it does the same thing like it turns your fucking tongue blue and i'm like okay i'll try it but it's got a, like caffeine and a bunch of other shit in it I'm like okay i'm good with that my daughter has been sick mm. so she came down last night at like midnight and got in bed with us mm-hmm. and then that's um just as you're getting ready to fall asleep Mm-hmm. Then she kicks you in the fucking face yes. or yes. does something else, like gouges you in the yep. eye or whatever I have it might be. Old baby, yeah, thing. yeah. So uh, you, you can say that there's a bit of sleep deprivation, but yeah. I'm fine. I actually I feel pretty good. But your like, eyes you know are your like, eyes are very open. Yeah, I feel good about do you, it. Do you do um, you when you were guys were in the military? Did you take nootropics or was it mostly just amphetamines? <laughs> No. Some of this stuff, I wonder if it works, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, amphetamines work. Oh, yeah, that they works. They do. Yeah, it's they, like steroids they really do. work, amphetamines work, right? They do. Protein yeah. powder, you don't yeah. need a, You don't need right. to do a lot more data on amphetamines and steroids. They work. Yeah, they and if, work. You, if you combine both of them, yeah. which would be really interesting, if you were to just say, let's take a battalion of, of people in the military, and we're just going to give them as much amphetamine as they want or amphetamines, and then yeah. just prescribe them as much steroids as they want. Let's just see what we can do. I think the Russian army already does this. Well, the Nazis did it. So when when they did the... the, No, they were issuing um, like cocaine pretty much. Yeah, methamphetamine. Yeah. It's impressive. There was a name for it. Anybody remember the name? It was like... It no. came in like a package. They had a whole Put it in the comments below. My my issue at 55 now... It's no big is, deal. Uh, you look good. You I look have, good for the great. Guys, come on. I have tight fitting skin. Um, <laughs> I uh, I shaved my head for no reason. My why? wife was like, why did you do that? And I was like, I don't know. I just wanted to keep it tight. Yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes I get bored. But um, 
I took uh, all my friends at my age are taking some kind of testosterone replacement or yeah. something, right? Mm -hmm. I've never done it, and uh, but I did you take. Do it. I know I did take half an Adderall once. Oh lord! I took ten milligrams because somebody said if you're tired, try this, and I want to write on the plan instead of fall asleep. Well, mm -hmm. it's cocaine. It's yeah. well, it's cocaine. Have yeah. you ever tried cocaine? I have. And again, that's another drug where I went, well, this is simply too good. I wanted to run for president. You know, you do yeah, cocaine, right. and you're like, well, you, you, let's, <laughs> let's open a candle shop, and we need to, but we'll make big candles. You get these terrible ideas with huge candles. Nobody has huge candles. Why don't we fucking, we should have huge candles. Uh, did you see and Brian now, Callen's candle shop? Exactly. The fuck is doing cocaine again? Yeah, he, he doesn't run it anymore because he's the president of the United States. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to make speeches about wax. And, you know, it's fucking ridiculous. So you do shit like that. Like I did 10 milligrams of Adderall. I go, I'm not doing this anymore yeah. because it's too artificial. And then I'm going to notice the difference between when I do it and when I don't do yeah, it. So fuck yeah, yeah. And the same thing with steroids. I'm just afraid if I do anything like that, I'm just going to be, I'm going to get even more muscular. Yeah. yeah. I was right. on, I tried Adderall a few times there. Mm -hmm. Same thing. It just feels like it's a chemical in your body. My heart was racing. I was getting flush in it's the crazy. face. Nothing you mean too. the chemical that you put in your body feels like a chemical yes. that's in your body. <laughs> yes, exactly. Huh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think I would just like to call something out. Please. I like the fact that Matt has decided to do a podcast with uh, his communist business partner. Yes. That's yes. Really? a cut commie mm -hmm. across. He's a cut commie. <laughs> He's a cut commie. Every day. He's a cut commie. Well, yeah. I like, I, my, my I buddy. think it's funny because yeah. it's like, you know, because I, I donated Tulsi, which was also on the show, by the way. I Tulsi love Tulsi Gabbard. She's like, great. Oh my God, you guys are donating to the commies. I'm like, yeah, Tulsi's rad. So, oh, she's know. a commie. Is yeah, she, yeah. You mean, yeah, you mean the co host for Tucker Carlson's show? Yeah, you, you mean the you person mean, that you mean because she's C reasonable? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she's fucking yeah. reasonable. Um, this country was founded on that concept, by the way, just so you know. This this great country, the founding fathers, they, they understood, number one, that government has to move slowly so it doesn't become tyrannical. And the way you have government move slowly is you have different points of view that the bill of rights is not why tyranny doesn't take control the bill of rights is has it's worth as much um money as the paper it's printed on it's not it's not what what makes this country the genius of james madison john jay alexander hamilton etc was it first a bicameral legislature okay yeah and and then obviously the executive and the judicial and so so you have this refined democracy that has to go through 15 different steps but you need healthy spirited debate from the left and the right and then you come to a compromise that's how government chugs along super slowly hopefully and doesn't get in the way of our everyday lives as a guy speaking as a capitalist right. i know this is i'm, I'm in it's hollywood crazy. as a fucking capitalist I can't and a guy who loves his country and a patriot yeah. but 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 so when people think they have a monopoly and they get mad at people like Tulsi fucking Gabbard, who is who is the embodiment of somebody, in my opinion, who looks at both sides. I feel this way about Dan Crenshaw. I'm, I'm, I've interviewed Dan. And, and you talk to Dan, you ask Dan a question. Dan will give you... You better be ready for a one-hour answer because that guy is so nuanced on in his yeah. thinking. It's so refreshing, and we need more of that in government. What? Not not these two extremes. This, well, but it's also God like, damn, you, you write that down. Okay, like, president, let's okay, go. President. What the hell, man? That, that Adderall's kicking in. I think it's, I think it's counterproductive. I think it's ultimately detrimental to a society if you only can be friends with people on your team. Correct. 
And if you're not willing to open up a dialogue with a, a spirited intellectual debate around experiences and or go through this entire process of having a, 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 a thought problem, right, where we're going to look at this and this is a thought experiment where you can have a really complex conversation, you can disagree with people and also respect, appreciate, and love them for who they are. Right. The other issue, you might also learn something. Yeah, and you might also might also realize that a lot of times the way you're characterizing the other side, mm -hmm. I tend to characterize the left in pretty harsh terms, especially the far left. Right? I don't think the far left is they're they're, 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 they're out complete of their fucking minds. They're crazy. Yes, but yeah. but when I sometimes I'll talk to a guy. I was talking to uh, Biden's co-chair, the the guy who chaired. His, his, was this uh, a chair that sits next to his he, chair? Yeah, may as well be. But he he basically was uh, he was involved in kind of he'd work he'd worked for him when he was a young man, and now um, he he was helping him with his uh, his campaign, and you know I had all these preconceived notions about Biden and about mm -hmm. the Democratic Party, but then I talked to him and and I realized a lot of my ideas have not been really they're a little bit half baked, and I'm getting my information from maybe a a, a rather biased source. So, or, or for I'll give you another example. I always used to talk about being a libertarian, which in spirit I am. In spirit, I'm a libertarian. Right. But then I read a book by Michael Lewis called The Fifth Risk. And Michael Lewis in his book, who wrote the big short, uh, yeah. Liar's Poker and all that. Mm -hmm. Good writer. And he basically went through what the Department of Energy, Department of Agriculture, uh, et cetera, actually does. Like, for example, keeping track of the nuclear, nuclear. highly nuclear waste. Yeah, yeah. Or, or making sure a dirty bomb isn't detonated mm -hmm. in uh, at the Super Bowl. Right. You know, the, the, or, or who feeds the, the neediest who can't, where, where there's no food that reaches those people? Who who shoots firecrackers off in an air, in, at the airport so geese don't fly into your engine? Department of Agriculture. There are so many things that I didn't realize, like ARPA and DARPA does and all these things, all the, the Tesla I drive, the low-interest loans given by the Department of Energy. There are, there are so many things that I, I rely on that I use that government had something to do with, right. organized, well-run government, that I, I, I realized I, I, a lot of my philosophy and platform has not been fortified. It just mm. hasn't been. A lot of times I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. That's me I, that, always. But I think that's all yeah. of and us it's okay. all the time, right? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Like that's 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 the fun thing about it. That's the fun thing about being an American is you can just go out and say a bunch of crazy horseshit. Yes. And oh, by the way, it's super fun right. when you just say crazy horseshit and people that are smarter than you just quite literally crush your soul yes. through yes. Know, real data and yes. like prove you wrong. It's actually really fun being proven an idiot, which is quite regularly happens every day either with my children my wife my business it's fine yeah like and it's also really good like to get your face beat in yeah it's really yeah, good you, for you humility no way right like so if your ego gets beat up a little bit that's fine but i i, I don't quite understand why people are so fixated and what I call them is like, it's the purity police, right? So yeah. it's like they're across all the other platforms and they're always like, oh, I, I have the purest message and I'm this and I'm that. And I'm like, you know what, man? I'm not okay with that. Like, I'm not going to choose a side and wear a jersey and that's the only jersey I'm ever going to wear and I'm never going to change my opinion. I'm never going to do anything different. It's like... I'm not going to adhere to the purity police's. But you're using rules. a word. You're using a word that's very key. You know, anytime you meet anybody who's into purity, 
they're extremists. I mean, they're extremists. And, and, and if you can actually trace it to history, you know, we have buried more people and to the tune of 50 million, 100 million people just in the 20th century alone because – Various the idea that you could create utopia on Earth, that you could create the pure person, that you could you could you could create the pure society. Uh, the Nazis were spoke a lot about purity, but so did the communists. So did Lenin. So did Stalin about the idea that your heart and your mind had to be pure. That they used to have essentially what would be the what would be the equivalent of a cleric mm-hmm. who walked around with the communist manifesto and would 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 check in on all the the Russian soldiers to make sure that they were up to snuff on what Karl Marx and Engels had said in the Communist Manifesto. So you had to be your your Stalin was 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 not a nice guy, but he he would kill people all the time who seemed to be beyond redemption. They had right. already been uh, sullied, muddled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were too old to be purified. Yep. So and Mao was the same way. So was Pol Pot. You know, it, because well, you're wearing glasses. You're an intellectual, and therefore you've read too much. You've read and too I much. can't re-educate you because yeah. you, you're you're beyond you've been redemption. Exposed to too much. But let's get the children and keep them pure. Mm-hmm. So we'll have yeah, these yeah. education camps. Work will make you pure. Work will set you free. So anytime I hear anybody talking about purity, it's think about even Christianity crazy. or any of the great religions. No, they, they they always say. Look, man, you're a flawed person. You're never going to be pure. You're flawed. You're fucked from the start, right? So you, all you can do is try to reach. Not everybody's going to be Brian Callen. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah. no, no. Well, and that's and that's the cool Sorry, thing. I just, I, Not I everybody's. Like, I, love yeah, I like that. I love that. Well, that's a, that's a commercial it, break. Yeah. People are like, yeah, pro. Y- you know, thank you. So here, here's here's like really good example, right? I can be really good friends with people that I disagree with. Like, so uh, I, I love like my very Christian conservative buddies. I don't have to agree with them on everything that they say. I just don't, but I can still hang out with them, have a good time. And then you can go over to the other side and, and I wouldn't say the other side necessarily, but you can, you know, hang out with somebody that's also of Jewish faith, of Muslim faith or wherever you want to go and have complex dialogue around faith or ideology or, political influence or bureaucracy or business or whatever it is like this is like the fun thing about life but if you're just in this echo chamber gaslighting and spinning each other up constantly one it's exhausting it's exhausting it's so there's no humor there's no nuance there's no humor there's no there's there's no humanity there's no art. But I think no a flavor. lot of people are terrified, right? They're terrified. I, I think yeah. people in general like get into their echo chamber, and I suffer from this sometimes too, because a lot of people are terrified by who my, my issue what I worry about is the people who are controlling the narrative. You know, the people that are actually and, I, and I'm sorry, but most a lot of them tend to be, you know. The, the right has its own problem, the far right, of course, but but there is something called the far left, and there's also something called the unreasonable left, and I, and I I without getting into right or left, I, I would say a better way to say it is this: the people that are controlling the narrative and many times um, are running the show, right, right, are um, so so people making policy that we have to adhere to, mm-hmm. are it seems to me people that don't pay a price for being wrong. So think about being um, a policy wonk. Think about being in a think tank. Think about being um, – and who comes up with ideas and papers that other people run with as proof for their narrative in legislation and things. When you are a, an academic, when you are 
you know, a Hollywood storyteller, when you are, um, especially, you know, an academic, a professor that teaches children, when you are an economist, when you are uh, a journalist who has a big audience and is responsible to ratings, you can say a lot of things and you can push narratives that gel or ro jive with your preconceived bias anyway. Mm -hmm. And if you have enough people doing that, pretty soon that starts to take on this sort of this amalgous sort of uh, juggernaut called the truth. And anything that you grade against, anything in the way of that, and I'm thinking, for example, of gender politics, for example, all of a sudden you say anything, like if that, there's a difference in biology between men and women, yeah. you will get shat, you'll get banned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and so all of a sudden that becomes, uh, that become, that's characterized now as hate speech. And so I think there's, there's, there's more and more of this stuff where people are able to not only just come up with a theory, push it down your throat, and you will pay economic consequences for pushing back against that. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is that's how you breed resentment, fear, and you galvanize the other side. So, you know, that's what I worry about, is the people that, that seem to be running with these ideas are not. See, the rest but, but of us it, have to pay. You guys, are, you guys built this company, right? Mm -hmm. And it took a lot, and you made a lot of mistakes. And if and some of the mistakes you could have made could have sunk your company. You know, For I'm sure. thinking about Toehold, right? So, so I yeah. own 30 percent of Toehold, which is a flip flop company. Best Great flip flops, flops, by the way. Best flip flops. Toehold flip flops. Uh, this is a, a 15 second oh, commercial. Yeah, if you're looking for a if yeah. you're looking for a high so, quality American made flip flop here in the Toehold <laughs> flip flops, guys. We wore them at Andy Stump's wedding. That's yeah, right. We did. Had, but 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 it's a good example because. Um, by the way, I got a great story about this, but but um, th that company, you know, they're handmade. The the leather, it's leather's like, awesome. Wicket and Craig leather, yeah, it's fucking the best. Cool. It's five hundred and fifty steps. I'm gonna get you a pair. Do you, do you really wear flip flops? I okay. I, so I'm gonna make you the ever. black samurai. I did. The black, so they're I'm called the black, the black samurai. We got the black samurai, which are sick. Wicket and oh, Craig leather, five hundred fifty steps. Watch this, but this is but this is this will get you five hundred fifty steps that go into the, into making them. Handmade, it, by the way, American made in Vegas, by 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 well compensated American workers. I'm just saying, if you like America, that's yeah, an yeah. American flip flop. Yeah, my full support. That's but here's here's the best part about it, and I'm getting to a larger point. This is a commercial for for Toho, but we'll get over this. Yeah, yeah. So so we had we had all these flip flops, and, and the Toho challenge was people pull would pull the flip flops apart, right? Everybody just pop them, you know, just pop them like that. And then we had all these guys, all these big jujitsu guys, trying to pull the toe holds apart. Because what the the, right, the reason they were made by Ag was because he was hiking one day and it's, it's the the, yeah, the pop tongue, them all the time, yeah, pop them up. all the time. Because I wear them around my ranch and everything. No, okay, so so that'll never happen. That'll never happen with toe holds. All right, Why we're going to record that? that, Derek. So we have that. So if my sales if never break, if you wear toe hold flip flops, <laughs> that'll and are they expensive? Look at me. They're the most expensive. How but much you, per pair? Like, let me guess. Three fifty. Yep. Boom. Oh, wow. But but by the way, go ahead and buy seven or eight or ten over a lifetime, yeah. and then add it all up. So shut up. Now listen, <laughs> listen. They they. <laughs> I had I had so and nobody could pull them apart. Then yeah. I had Brian Shaw. I just did a thing with Brian Shaw, the four times strongest man yeah, in the yeah. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he do it? Gave him my old pair. Gave him my old pair. Right. They'd been worn. I wore the shit out of them. The first ones I'd ever made. They're not even the. They're not even the fucking three model. Dude, you're at the three <laughs> Yeah, dude. We don't. You're gonna love them. I'm making you. I'm making you black samurai. You're gonna lose your fucking mind. Anyway, he tried to pull them apart. Strongest man in the world. I gave him a long time too. 
guess what? We're, I'll release the video when it's time. He couldn't. And not he only, couldn't not do only, it. Not only could he not do it, they, 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 nothing happened to them. There was nothing. Like, I wore them, I wore them yesterday. That's how this arguably might be the most excited I've ever seen anyone in the history of ever get excited about sandals. So but here's my I'm, larger point. You're about, me up. Here's my cocaine here's my, sandals. Here's my largest point. The weather, the best. You're going to love them. I, okay. you, I can't wait since you like them because you'll never you'll they're, they're the best. But here, here's the point I'm making. We're building this company and I've made zero money on this so far. None. But but the, what I loved about it, what I fell in love with, I, I begged AG. I've never done this in my life. I begged him to be part of the company because he made me a pair. I, I had plantar fasciitis. He mm. said, these will cure your feet, which they did. And I go, and so I looked at them and I saw them. I just saw how, I, I saw what they were made and there was something truthful about it. There was something about them where I went, I, th this feels like quality. And, and I love wearing flip-flops, that's all I wear usually. Yeah. So that's what it was. But the larger point I'm making is that I was thinking about how, when you build a company like this, if one little thing goes wrong, if we expand too fast, if we contract, if we don't do it enough, your company goes away. Every decision that you make when you own a company like this, mm -hmm. especially if you're making shit by hand and all that, you want, you want real quality, every decision make, counts. Every decision. So building that company will take, like, we've grown a lot, but that'll take us, in. it's going to take us five, maybe six, maybe ten years to really be the company that I, I want it to be. Takes time. Everything takes time. But we pay a price for the decisions we make. And that's how everybody, most of the people out here who vote and are living their lives, it's the same thing with my career. Like, if I don't put butts in the seat as a comic... You know, nobody, the people don't come. I, it's my responsibility. Right. But I think the narrative is being the, the the people controlling the fucking narrative don't pay that price. They don't ha they don't have those don't concerns. Have well, do you or, think? Or, or they're just not not truthful and authentic. And all they do is they conform to that culture, which is an adopted truth that is, I think, a complete fallacy. Yeah. And because I mean, <clears throat> my example with all that shit is when I lived in L.A. or I still travel. You know, uh, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. Oh, um, he is. I didn't know Jesus. that. Uh, I didn't know that. Huh. Um, I didn't know that because your you. hands. Thank you for your no, service. No, I didn't. You your your hands don't look like they write. They look like they're no, built. It's, no, I didn't write it. They look know? like yeah. they're built for enforcement. Yeah, <laughs> but and, um, and a lot of the people I met in L.A. and New York during that process would come up to me and kind of do the hush hush. Hey, man, I, I I own a Glock, but please don't say anything. Or they're they're doing their gender yeah. training and they come out like fucking crock of shit bullshit. And I'm like. But why aren't you saying anything or do anything? And it's like we've tried to influence, at least through our company, people to stand up for what they actually believe in and live that life. But they don't. And it's yeah. so none of them fucking believe it. That's the weird part for me. None of them believe it. Uh, but they, they conform to it because they're like, if because I say anything, I'm going to get canceled. Because their job depends on it. I know. When when yeah. when people have the means to stop you from being able to pay your mortgage yeah. or put your kids in baseball, you're going to keep your fucking mouth shut because mm -hmm. I'm choosing my kids over my ideology. I'm yeah. sorry to say that, you know, uh, I'm not dying on that cross. I'm not dying yeah, on yeah. that hill. I that, that that but that's that's a problem. The last uh, pistol carbine course that I I taught, like as a you know civilian guy, uh, shooter instructor which was probably like five years ago, I guess, six years ago, was in L.A. to a bunch of people that worked in Hollywood, and none of them, like, well, I shouldn't say none. Like, there's like 20 people there that all, you know, paid quite a bit of money to be there, but none of them, except for like two or three, wanted us to even take pictures on the range oh, because Jesus they were afraid so that if their 
employers found out that they shot a gun, shoot, shot a gun, yeah. owned a gun, that they would be fired. I one of my buddies, you know actually, he's a mutual friend. Yeah. Uh, he's an agent, and he he was his his constant narrative is if you say anything in the office, you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You say anything in his office that is mm-hmm. pro-American, that is even uh, conceivably conservative, you're fired. You're out. Remember the like, guy? It is not, it, he's like, it, he's like, you look, have to look, pretend yeah, to I, be I, part of this entire, like if you, you could walk in wearing a, a, a Karl Marx, Che Guevara shirt, a beret, like saying anything and everything you want about socialism, communism, like Che Guevara was a great person. You could you could have a whole altar in your meanwhile, office. Meanwhile, Hollywood is the most capitalist. And by the way, uh, uh, who do you think pushes the the gun fantasy narrative? Who? who it's well, all I'm sorry. Hollywood. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, have you? What the movies that make the most money are are the yeah. ones with the most fucking the most guns. I've never I'll got that. You, it's I'll like a you. Matt Damon comes out anti-gun, and then he's like playing Jason Bourne and I mean, shooting sixty fucking people Matt per Damon movie. Matt Damon is anti-gun. I'm sure. No, he's not. Matt Damon is really. Not. Nah, he's one I, of us. Okay. No, nah, Matt. Matt. Okay. Uh, but but I'll I'm sorry to say one, do I don't homework. mean one of us because I never served in the military. Um, I mean, I did. He's, we can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. Yeah. Karate division. Yeah. But uh, sorry, that's Japanese for karate. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But um, wait, you reminded me of something. Matt Damon uh, um, um, pushing the gun narrative. Um, the fuck was I gonna? Th- what was I? You're saying say? Hollywood pushes like the, the the gun narrative essentially. Yeah, but it was something really profound because that's all I saw, uh, talked right. about. That's I all can't you remember said. what okay. it was. Um, yeah, well, I, I just can't stand hypocrisy. If we, I can't stand it. If we, oh, I was gonna say. Um, I was going to say, I, I think that's where where um, your character is tested, right? I think that's at the end of the day, you know, I mean, come on now. Come on now. D- don't be that much of a hypocrite. I, I, I think if you can't take a picture and stand for something you believe in, then, then, then we've got a real problem. But you're right. It's people's political ideology has gotten to the point in some of these locations where they can term people – for being conservatives and it's like it that would never fly if you were if you were in texas or somewhere like that and you're a conservative and you bounce people out because you know you have a confirmed liberal in your company my goodness you would just get like fucking lawsuit up lawsuit <laughs> it up you. now la that's yeah. fine like they, yeah. they can do it all day long because they also know they have the california legal system behind them yeah they know any and all things regarding that issue, they're just like, okay, great, you guys are done. And let me tell you a crazy story. I think it was after Sandy Hook, that terrible tragedy. And I was doing a movie called Ride Along with Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. And it was produced by one of my favorite people in Hollywood, a guy named Will Packer. He's just a great, great man. And, um, and Tim Story was the director. It was just a great set Ice Cube, Kevin Hart, great people. Kevin Hart's the best. The best, the kindest, yeah. coolest. Is he? That's good to hear. Like, oh, fucking my, one of my favorite people. Really? Generous. Like, just a great person. There's anybody who dislikes Kevin is a mess. That, that's your problem. Oh, He's yeah, so yeah. good to his soul, right? Right. So, it, so we have, we're on set. It's the day of the shootout in the warehouse. If you right. watch the movie right along, it is just guns and grenades mm-hmm. and grenades. 
Good. So when I say everybody's got a gun and everybody's got, and we got like ex Navy SEALs and to, who are, you know, arms guys who are showing badasses. us how to hold the guns and yeah. that's what they do. They have like guys like you guys who are like yeah. holding, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, Matt and has I, one I, now. I, I shit yeah. you not. Yes, <laughs> you do. Just walking around. I'm just walking around with him. I shit you not. He's under the table right now, everybody. This is weird, but it feels uh, good. It feels yeah. good. But I shit you not. We, we, um, I, I think it was Will who kind of said, hey guys, you know, uh, we should have a moment of silence for what happened, you know, and it was very appropriate. And the whole set, and I'm talking about this is a $3 million day, at least. And the whole set just stops. We have a moment of silence for the, and I believe it was Sandy Hook. I'd have to look at the dates. It was right. some terrible tragedy, but I think it was that. We all stopped to have this moment of silence and reflection on this terrible tragedy. And it goes on for about a minute. Thank you, everybody. All right. And I shit you not. Five minutes later. Hey, get, 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 get. <laughs> We're just shooting the there's guns, there's there's pyrotechnics going on, and everybody's shooting guns. And that was Hollywood. So, you know, when Hollywood's ready to take responsibility for that and and, and call themselves out for their own hypocrisy, maybe I'll listen. In the meantime, yeah. get the fuck out of here. Yeah. yeah. It's fair. Yeah. That, some of that story. How's your coffee good? Is it all right? Better than those sandals or no? No. I like the one that Evan no. made me. I like the mm -hmm. one that the CEO. It's the same, but it's rabbit. different. God so damn. here's here's some questions for you. Yeah. All right. So today, outside of yourself. Yeah. So outside of yourself, who are the top five comedians in the business today, in your opinion? I love Sebastian. All my friends. I love Sebastian Maniscalco. I okay. think I think Bill yeah, Burr yeah. is just amazing. It's awesome. Bill I don't great. know Dave Chappelle, but I think he's got guts. You don't know him? I don't know Dave. This is strange. I, I've like, never met him. It's so weird. We've I, met him. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I've never. My, met him. My favorite Dave Chappelle story was we were in El Paso, and one of our military buddies who got both of his legs blown off mm. was like, "Hey, I got a piss, man." I'm like, all right, well, Chappelle's about to come on. We're going to run you out to the bathroom as quick as we can. So we put him over his shoulder because he didn't want to wheel his chair up through the stairs and everything. Run him up, take a piss, come back in. We open the door. Chappelle had already come on set. He goes, look at this drunk asshole already having to get carried in this show. And then we're like, he's missing his legs. Dude, Chappelle's face just went, like, completely white. It was like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. He was, like, <laughs> the most kindest cool dude ever he, he invited us up after the show and had like a beer with us wow. and with, with the vet and was like i'm so sorry and nah, hey, he's dude, a special funny. man he's, yeah, a, he's, he's, a cool he's got balls and he's got i think he's got a strong moral compass yeah. and I, I think he's very important for the american uh conversation and uh so i really appreciate him i think he's paid a price and he continues on so i think he's a very he's a, he's a much needed voice regardless of where you are on this political spectrum i look man i was in salt lake right here yeah. rogan calls me up and goes come down I'm like, ah, I'm with my parents. And he's like, get down here. Come down. You got to see this. I'm playing uh, at some arena where he yeah, was in the yeah. middle and it was 14,000 people. Yeah. So I go. So me and Cameron Haynes kind of, you know, we're standing oh, yeah. in, the, in the wings. Now I've been doing this for 30 years, right? I've been doing stand-up a long time. But, and part of what's difficult, right, is like you, you this is my fourth special I just dropped, mm -hmm. right? And now I have to start all over again. And one of the hard things about stand-up when you're at my, you know, been doing it as long as I have or any of us, is that you, um, 
you have to make sure you don't repeat yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure you don't repeat the same themes. You got to make sure you don't become a carbon copy, a cover band of yourself almost, right? You got to just come up with new ideas and you got to write new things. And that requires to a degree, a level of discomfort. You got to stay, keep the ribs on you. Stay, stay hard, you know, in one way or another, right? And you look at Rogan, who has all the money, has all the attention, has arrived, has arrived, is, is, is you know, I guess in many ways, the voice of a generation. And I watched this motherfucker who I've known for 30 years almost now, or 27 years. I met him 20, 28 years ago. I watched him get up on stage in front of 14,000 people. And this one hour that he's about to drop is, it was astonishing, man. It was astonishing. Because he's not just funny, he's saying something. Yeah, was this yeah. a special as well that's going to come this out? This is the yeah. special oh, going to drop. Gutsy. Yeah. Really? Gutsy. Yes. Yeah. I like so, it. So I was so proud of that, you know, to yeah. watch somebody who was able to keep the see the wolf at the door for any artist, and I would even argue for a human being, is not struggle. It's luxury. Mm. It, it, it's it's um that's a very important thing to keep in mind. It, yeah. Comfort comfort is um is your enemy. And I know people say that a lot, but I, I, I well, think... Well, laziness is disguised as comfort. I mean, that's what happens. Yeah, but there's this idea that you you get to somewhere, right? You, 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 you arrive when you don't have to look at a price tag. And you arrive when you, um, you know, you've got a great wine cellar and an amazing view. And, 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 and everything seems to be... You, you can keep your body at a certain temperature with ease, you know? Yeah. You're never, you're never hungry. Right. I think that uh, that way lies ruin. I, that's fine, but boy, you better have something that keeps you a little bit, a little on your toes, mm -hmm. because you'll agree. forget who you are and you'll forget what's important. And by the way, I think you will forget that there's still work that needs to be done. Look, the way, um, and I'm, I'm going to quote uh, a guy named John Vervacki, who said something uh, really interesting. He said, he's a, a professor at University of Toronto in the same department Jordan Peterson is. And he said, um, what the child is to the adult, the adult is to the sage. And never forget that your development, the, the process of building your character um, is never complete. It's knowing the unexamined life, as Socrates said, right, mm -hmm. is not worth living. You, you have to keep examining your life and you have to keep building your character. And I think that's ultimately not aligned. Again, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing him, but it's not to align yourself necessarily with purpose. Purpose is great, man. Purpose is great. You know, but, but look at you, Evan. You've arrived. You, 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 you know, you've, you've solved a lot of these problems. You've solved the problem of money and you've solved the problem of accomplishment and everybody likes you and all that. Yeah, but, but it's not, uh, and you're very attractive, but, yes, but it's, not, it's not, it's not enough uh, there's still work to be done, mm. right? You, you have to remind yourself that that process continues until you die. You have to go from adult to being the sage, meaning you have to engage in that struggle, which is to learn when you are de deceiving yourself, when self-deception, which takes on many forms, is, is, is ever-present. And I think wisdom lies in the ability to understand when you are self, being self-deceptive or when, when you're aligned with things that are ethereal and, you know, not as noble as the things that you want to exist 
regardless of whether you exist or not. Mm -hmm. I'm being a little bit, you know, but, but I, I guess that's a roundabout way, way of saying what I loved about Rogan is that he hasn't allowed the comfort <clears throat> and the status and the power and all that stuff to get to him. And we had a long talk about it because he was like, I just, you know, I just have always been afraid that I would, my, my, my blade would get dull. I'd be, you know, so I really, I love that. I love that struggle, that constant search, that constant thing. Like I'm a piece of shit. I'm a moron. I'm not good enough. You know, I, I don't think you should love yourself. I think that's a bullshit thing to say. I think you should always have this queer sense of dissatisfaction, a sense that I'm not complete, a sense that, that I, that I'm, I'm, I'm doomed anyway. I'm going to always try to self-perfect, but at right. the end of the day, there's got to be something more than that. Maybe that's where spirituality comes from so long fucking way of answering those are my favorite comics that was three that was only three yeah you got um, two more i like um for decades buying a silencer has been difficult but in 2005 silencer central set out to simplify the suppressor buying process so what happens when you buy from silencer central well they help you find the right silencer for you they handle the paperwork so you don't have to and they give you a free NFA gun trust so you can share your suppressor. Silencer Central allows you to pay while you wait. They make sure your purchase is carefully prepped, packaged, and protected until the moment you're approved. Once approved, they deliver it straight to your door. So whether you're planning your next hunt or putting together a range day, you'll enjoy every shot you take with Silencer Central straight to your front door. Okay, so I've got... I've got. Uh, I mentioned Brian Callen. No, I like. Uh, <laughs> I like. I like Rogan. I like Burr. I like Sebastian. I like Dave Chappelle. That's four. Oh, that's four. Yeah, that's you four. Did, yeah, Chappelle. And then I, you know who I love, man. I think is really funny to me. Just always makes me laugh. Eliza Schlesinger. Oh yeah. You gotta throw a lady yeah, in yeah. there. She fucking kills me, man. Yeah. And she, she's another one who just is. She just n takes comedy. I knew Eliza before she started comedy. I'm telling you, right? really? she was throwing, she was putting on tiny shows and asking me to come on and yeah, you know, yeah. headline, and and uh, and to watch her, like to watch her, man, yeah, it, it's just like she's just she works her ass off and she carves those jokes, man. She carves, <laughs> and what she's saying is actually the, the the psychology of women and stuff. It's fucking unbelievable, man. Yeah, I, you know, I think comedy has such like a cultural influence too because it seems now in the past to. like two to three years, yeah. Like with Chappelle and Rogan and some of the huge, huge names, like they're making it okay again to fucking be a little edgy. And and it's it's a huge shift in the culture because before, I mean, we were getting to a point where that pendulum was so far you couldn't say anything. You since you couldn't say that's gay or be called a homophobe, you know? It, it was getting too far. And then the guys like that, I think, are kind of pulling it back in a little bit. That's which what is I, nice. that's what the whole point of stand up for me. That's the my 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 special yeah. before the No the, one's safe. No one should be safe in comedy. No one. No, I I tried my my I, my last special, the, not the one I just dropped, but the one that um, man tears, man tears, <laughs> man, tears. man tears. But but the one complicated apes that I'm the most yeah. proud of was was complicated apes is really good. Well, I I, I, I was trying Both to talk about I was trying to talk about um, identity politics, right. and I was trying to kind of take on the idea that that when you refer to somebody as a noun, when you use a noun, conservative, gay, yeah. Gay, yeah, S you know, straight, right? Um, Thank you. Uh, you know, woman, man, you right. know, whatever it might yep. be. Sorry, I do have the biggest tits. I do have you the have, biggest you tits have in fucking here. a nice body. You got a nice it's body, super bro. Hot. Yeah. But anyway, you're you're hot. And I don't use that word yeah. often, but you're yeah. hot. His beard looks hot. great too. Well, the have fucking, you seen her? 
Has, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, she's got a huge dick. Um, but uh, but uh, but I, I, I argue that, you know, human beings are now not nouns. We're verbs. Right. Sinners and saints and everything in between, you know, uh, the, the capable of terrible cruelty and destruction, but also unimaginable beauty and creativity. And and that's. That's something I think that's very important to keep in mind in the whole debate. And I think that if you are, if you have a platform and if you are a comic, you get to a certain age. If it's just going to be about funny, well, that's cool. But you kind of have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if I, I achieve that. I probably fall way short of guys like Dave Chappelle. But at least the struggle's there, and you keep trying. You know? Okay, right. and take those <clears throat> five out. Yeah, yeah. Best of all time. I mean, to me. George Carlin. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I bought him breakfast. Did you really? Yeah. All right. I, tell me that story. I, I, he was, I was at a place called Cafe Cora in uh, Santa Monica, and uh, I'm fucking eating at the counter, and he's behind me alone, just eating. And, you know, I think he was reading something like a, a newspaper. And I'm just like, and the staff there were all Mexican, and they speak a little bit of English, and it's an amazing place. And I'm just looking at George Carlin behind me. And I said to the, uh, I said to the, to the waiter, I said, I want to uh, buy him breakfast, but I, I wanted to get the fuck out of there. Like I didn't want him to, I don't want to have to have yeah. him go, oh, thanks and all yeah. that. So I said, just, uh, I'd like to buy him breakfast and tell him he's, he's greatness, you know? And so they go, okay, yeah, no problem, you know? So, uh, you know, I got the fuck out of there and I bought him breakfast and, um, uh, he died about three weeks later. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Oh, un- unrelated, right? No, I, I poisoned him. <laughs> you yeah. just couldn't stand him being no, that much better than no, you. No, because I'm jealous, and I don't yeah, like other yeah. people to have shit. Yeah. Right, so, right. Which, um, and I've already poisoned your coffee, you piece of shit. I was going to say, we I poisoned you. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What's the world going to do without my comedy? Comedy, comedy. <laughs> I say so much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Good George question. Carlin. Good question. Who else? I, I kind of know, but tell me who else. You know, the, 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 you got to like you got to give Pryor his due Pryor, because yeah. see the, these people that ushered in a, a new genre. Yeah, that's French. Yeah, but really good use of thank you. Uh, Merci beaucoup. Je parle français. But the point is that uh, um, funny in two languages. But mm-hmm. he was doing shit like he said. I'm going to take the people I grow up, grew up with. Yeah, and I'm going to bring them to life. And I think it did something really interesting because it it showed white Americans that black a black dude with no money who plays the lottery ticket is just like my uncle or is somebody I can relate to. And that's that humanizing effect mm-hmm. that that Pryor had where he he brought us all together and he shamed us too kind of like going damn man i might have been prejudiced but that family sounds a lot like mine yeah they might put some emphasis on different words or they might whatever but but i see a lot of my family or if i don't see my family and see this is the great thing about people who are great writers that you read memoirs of a geisha Okay, which you guys don't fucking read because you're so busy shooting. Yep. But um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't shame you like that. But uh, I know. But um, I read but, I read Matt's book every thank morning. You. Well, just you a, read, a quick passage yeah. just read to remind it. me. Read you know it. what I mean? Ask like, me if I read yeah. Matt's book. Yeah, it's a New York Times. No, you haven't. No, just ask yeah. me if Have I read, read it. Questions. Have you read, read Matt's it. book? I lived it, sir. <laughs> oh, see that? Nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you did have me on your show to promote my book, so thanks for that. Yeah, I actually think I did read your book, and I liked it. I read a lot of it. It's okay. It's not about me. It's about you. 
but thank you. But but uh, but but the point is like what's great about like memoirs of a geisha or prior is that you 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 read that book and you go. I kind of understand what it's like to be a Japanese woman in the 1600s. Right. Like I, I can identify with the common thread of humanity. And I think Pryor was the first comic to kind of sh show everyone, hey, you can you can get up here and talk about your family and bring your family to life, warts and all, and it'll work. Yeah. And that was not a given. See, a lot of these things weren't a given, man, as a, as a performer. They, they, nobody said you could do that shit. Nobody said you could show somebody drunk or on drugs or, or hustling or whatever it was. That, that was not done. That was considered, uh, I don't know, gauche, taboo. And so, so people like Pryor, you know, that, that's the, it's the courage that I, I always admired. So that, that's, that's probably, you know, you got the great British ones like Benny Hill and stuff, but that yeah, was yeah. more sketch, right? Yeah. You know, you were, you were hiding behind a character, but prior, man, naked, naked and, and self-destructive. But I don't know if you can do that stuff without being a little self-destructive. Right. You can't, you can't be as generous as he was artistically and be a glutton. You gotta, there's, 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 there's something about that kind of vulnerability on stage that um, maybe, maybe feels somewhat um, like you're about to crash and burn. Mm. Like you leave part of yourself up there. It's mm. embarrassing, man. It's embarrassing. You know you're doing a great job as an actor or as a, um, as a comic when, when you embarrass yourself a little bit. You know, I, I, we'd all like guys like me and uh, for real, like uh, guys like uh, comics would like to be guys like you, like a Green Beret. That's a big deal. That's a badass. There's something about being a Green Beret with the guns and the Super it's, cool. it's a Spartan. Yeah. It's a man thing. Mm -hmm. It's clear cut. It's it's courage. It's courage personified. There's something very cut and dry about that Keep stuff. Going. Strength, yep. you know. Yep. I have yeah. such a boner yeah. right now. Yeah. But but you know what I mean. <laughs> but 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 I've, as we know, courage does it, it takes on different forms. It's compartmentalized, right? So there's courage about charging a hill or going yeah, on a mission. Right. But but then there's other kinds of courage. There's the courage to work a job you hate so you can support your three kids on minimum wage. There's the courage to try something artistically that you know may be a disaster. There's a courage to writing a book mm -hmm. that takes you three years, a novel that no one may read, but it's an act of faith. So, you know, the, the, so I, I always look to people who, like Pryor who had the courage to do things like that. They, 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 they awe me. And I try to be that way, but it's not working out so well. <laughs> when, when, when did your last special come out? Man Tears on YouTube yeah. just dropped. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to watch that tonight. I mean, we'll put a, we'll put a link in the show for, for the special. Only if you so. want to laugh super hard and learn yeah, yeah. something. If, if you only want to laugh really hard, I would watch it. But that's about, that, that's like, about vulnerability. Yeah. That, that, that whole show is about the idea that you, you, you know, I, I spend my whole life building armor and trying to be ready for whatever. And chaos comes. And when chaos comes in your life, and it'll come for all of us, uh, you, you won't have the, you won't recognize, it, it'll it'll be bearing weaponry you have no armor for. <laughs> right. Like, you can get yep. ready for anything, bro. And and the fates... Life will still find a way to punch you in the dick. It the always does. The fates will get you. Even the gods couldn't escape fate. Even in the Upanishads, mm -hmm. fate, Atman, was always there. That's a fucking Hindu, Hindu term. So, so Carlin, I love it. Yeah. Prior, 
What else? Who else you got? Um, is Matt Best in there? Matt Best, without like, like without a 10? doubt. Without my my heroes were not really comics though. No, but you're a comedian, you know? so you know like the guys yeah. in history that you look at. You know, alive or dead. Yeah, you kind of said living now. But I might then be there's too guys. old though, because I see the tricks too. So sometimes, the what do you yeah. Mean? Well, uh, you, you know, like like so. So if I meet a Delta guy, yeah. I'm like that guy's Delta Force, me, yeah, and I'm all excited. Yeah, right, but but a Delta guy meets another Delta guy, and they know what they do. Yeah, you can you can. It's like oh, he's a Navy SEAL, and then right. a guy like you sees you go, you go, yeah, he's a Navy SEAL. Calm down. Yeah, it's fine. Chill out. Weirdo. It's fine. Yeah. If I talk to Tim Kennedy about a Navy SEAL, Tim goes, I like to fuck with Tim because I'll be like, that guy's a Navy SEAL, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. By the way, did you have Invisalign? No, I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do too. Yeah. I just saw the little nubs the on little your nubs teeth. On there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so, so, you know, comics, it's more authors that blow my mind. Uh, but if we stay, like, if we stay on that, this thread, because, like, kind of where I'm getting to is, like, you've got, and I and I think if if we were to take a poll, and I don't think from the general population because I don't think they actually know because they're not really they're they're not down the rabbit hole, so to speak, on comedy, where there are comedians that are respected by comedians as as the guys. And then there are people, you know, we would say the general population that would say, Oh, but they're great comedians. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you guys are like, eh, okay. Whatever, yes. you know, like, yeah, they're kind of bullshit. You okay, know what so, I mean? So now you got me into a topic. So, yeah, I'll be delicate, but why? Why do you have to no, be no, delicate? No, no, no. Um, but the, 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 there is a difference between my generation, yeah, and the generation that it, that is now. Okay, and that is that social media is yeah. now a thing. Right, social media has done something for comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's allowed you to make crazy money right because you can curate your own audience Mm -hmm. it's also um podcasting has changed everything yeah Yeah. you know you can be you can have a podcast and you can sell that's how i sell tickets right right and um if you are savvy with your social media if you are savvy with your self-promotion you can make a crazy amount of money and become a very popular comic Mm -hmm. At the expense of your comedy. Yeah. You don't have to be as funny. Right. There are a lot of people that are very popular and they're not that funny. Right. And um, I think in that sense, it's been bad for comedy to an extent. But I can maybe see not. that. I mean, I don't know if it's bad for I comedy. No, I, I hate can that see topic. Because I've, I've, watched, I've watched a few comedy specials, you know, like, yeah. this yeah. guy's bullshit. Or yes. they're like, they're... They're regurgitating the same joke that's been told for 20 fucking years, exactly. and you're like, that, yeah, but it's I, not but courageous, it's not unique, it's no. bullshit. Yeah, but they're also, I think that's probably your generation and my generation. I, I see the same thing, right? When I look at some of the jokes that I've done over the years on like the military and stuff, there's people that are regurgitating them in a different format that I don't think is funny. But they're curating a younger audience that has never mm-hmm. heard those. So I think it's, there's a generational gap, and the older you get... <laughs> Things were like, oh, I made that joke twenty years ago. That's mine. But that's th- th- not it's- so much what I'm talking about. Like, I, I I know what you're saying. Yeah. But but um, original self-expression is the business I'm in, right? So original yeah. self-expression is when you surprise yourself, and hopefully, you know, the jokes that I've told, or you know, are not. There, I would argue that you know, I'm just going to use myself as an example, which is so obnoxious. But I am 
fucking careful about being derivative. I'm so careful yeah. about being derivative, man. I'm so careful about being repetitive or right. even being like coming up with a joke that somebody else has written. Uh, like, I mean, you know, even being influenced by it, which yeah. I am sure I have. That there's I, there's you know, no way you can't be. Yeah, but I that one of the reasons I don't watch a lot of comedy is it's I don't want to be, man. I'm yeah, afraid. That makes sense. I did that with Justin McKinney. Justin McKinney is a great comic, and he had a joke about a bumblebee in a car. Right. And I told the story about a hornet in a car, oh. which was but but you know, and I said to Justin, I go, dude, do you have a joke like this? And he I he did, and and I had to change my whole bit because. His joke was so funny. I remember watching. It was such an influence on yeah. me. I didn't realize what I was doing, man. Oh, I really God. didn't. But I talked to him, and I remember hearing it. And it was he goes, "If you see a if you see a car on the side of the road with the window with the door open on the highway, it was me because there was a bumblebee in my car, something like that." Right, like, right. But but long story short, like it's very very difficult not to be a little bit influenced by yeah. by great bits. But I guess what I'm saying, Matt, is like you know, your job as somebody in the business of comedy is to, it's comedy because it surprises you. It's comedy because you haven't, you either you thought about it and you didn't want to say it, right? Or it's it's put together in such a way where you're like, this motherfucker is killing me. Yeah. It's just one surprise after another. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I, I I think I'm in complete agreement. I mean, I watch like reels and all that, and I, I find so much of social media unfunny. Even yeah. things that have you know millions of in impressions and engagement, it's just it's super unfunny to me. That's why it's nice to see like more revolutionary people that come along and change the script. And you're like, fuck, I didn't like when I watch movies half the time. My I, my wife gets pissed all the time because I'll just guess the joke and I'm right. And I'm like that that's not comedy to me. Like I like being shocked and it's yes. something I didn't. It wasn't low hanging fruit, you know. Right, but it's a, it's that's, a lot it's like. Called, it's a lot like anything, right? It's like if you've never like coffee's a good example. If you've never had a good cup of coffee yeah. and you're just kind of like drinking it and whatever, you don't really understand like what a really good cup of coffee is. Or, you know, the if you've never had a piece of cheese before, and you're like, oh my god, this is great. And it's like the big fucking government cheese block, and you pull out a slice, and you're like, this is really good. And then you get into like right. the artisan. You know, one milked cow aged for fifty years type cheese. You're well, like, you're, you're that's about, not cheese, no. right? Like, like having you're like you're talking about you're talking about understanding the meaningful difference between things. My Correct. father used to always say that it's very easy to draw comparisons, and what you'll see most people do is that's just like that, or that's just like that. It's the people that know the difference, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's like with everything. It's like, that by the way is very good coffee, but the, the difference between a really good cup of curated coffee, why is that coffee so good? Well, right. like Toehold, there are about 500 steps that go into making great coffee, the way it's grown, all that shit. That's the nature of quality, you know? I think that's the nature of ideas. I mm. think that education is supposed to teach you not what to think, but how to think. Right. And that will then lead you down the road of learning the difference between a good idea and a bad idea, a destructive idea, a constructive idea. Mm. It'll also teach you where danger lies. You know, danger almost always is cloaked in, in you know, a pretty package Bad ideas can be repackaged. Dangerous ideas can be repackaged yep. as, you know, equity, right. equality, kindness, mm -hmm. compassion. And if you know history, you go, fuck you, man. I saw how this was done. Yep. I saw how this was done. And this is exactly how you snuck in the back door last time. Uh-uh, mm -hmm. not on my watch. 
And that really is, and, and this brings me to also understanding, you have to, I think human beings define themselves along the lines they are willing to fight for. A country defines itself along the lines. See, lines, the, the United States, there are lines. There are, there are, there are, this is the grand experiment. And the United States of America is an idea, but make no mistake, there are certain lines this country was founded on that have to be defended. And I think human beings are the same way. I, I think to be dramatic about it, but I really mean it, as a human being, you, you must have lines you are willing to defend at all costs, at all costs. Even maybe even the people we admire the most to sacrifice their own life for a, for a higher ideal, for a higher mm -hmm. principle. That higher principle might be something like God, by the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I mean, really, without without being, you know, but but that that is what you're that is kind of what you're approximating when you're defending something, and and you you risk your job, you risk everything else. That that's kind of the idea. I think that's very important, as, and that's that's another that's your job as a person. My father told me that a long time ago. My father said, "Your job, and I can't do this for you, is to to." Establish a bedrock of moral principles, ethical principles that you can anchor into and that will hold you fast regardless of which mm -hmm. way the wind is blowing. And the wind will, will be blowing. Right. It'll blow hard and it'll be strong. But, but if you don't have that bedrock to anchor into... You know, I remember I was like, well, how do I do that? You know, he's like, read Socrates, start with that. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. Did you, know, you have a good relationship with your dad? I did, yeah. yeah. My dad was a Marine. Was he really? Yeah. yeah. He was a Marine. I think he probably did other stuff, too, after that. Right. Don't ask me what it was. You guys keep waking <laughs> up free every morning. Hey, here's a, here's a question. He does. So, <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Comedians, just in general, right? Uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, it seems like, mental health issues in the, the comedian yeah. subculture why is it i mean i mean i know you have your opinion know, on man. it i don't know i think because you have to be like dark like, like there's some like really toxic behaviors like self-destructive toxic yeah. behaviors yeah and some of the best people in the business they, so i don't know if this is a function of the fact that uh some comedians like some artists have substance abuse problems uh -huh. just like right, some right. doctors yeah, yeah. do i don't right. know sure or if there, there, uh, that being a comedian requires a certain level of self-loathing, mm. which I actually believe. Yeah. That the, the, the comedians I know, worth their salt, almost all come from uh, some kind of family dysfunction. Yeah. I never met a fighter worth the salt who didn't come from some kind of a broken home. Right. <laughs> like, you know, th th there's something interesting about struggle, demons, misfitry, yeah. mm -hmm. that if channeled properly really, really can produce some gold. Now, sometimes, unfortunately, that will lead to self-destructive behavior and in the extreme can end your life, which is a tragedy. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, man. I don't I understand. Feel like it's like the artist mentality, though. It tends to lend itself to that where it's like- I a don't know. Maybe. You know, Stephen King wrote a book called On Writing about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Stephen King doesn't remember writing three books. He doesn't remember writing Cujo. He doesn't, remi he doesn't, he doesn't remember them. What? The Stephen King doesn't remember writing Cujo. He doesn't remember <laughs> writing three books. To the point where his- his wife came in to clean all these these beer cans out of his. Uh, he was writing. He's yeah, like this, yeah. right? And she comes in, not saying anything. She's taking all these cans. She had a she's a giant garbage bag, and she's putting all these beer cans. 
And he goes, geez, man. He's like, and he said something like, um, how many months is that? And she went, that's three days, Stephen. That's all she said. And he was like, it's man, I have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so, you know, and he said, he said, I don't think that um, you have to be, that, that being a successful artist requires drug and alcohol abuse. It happens to be that some very talented, imaginative people like myself have a big substance abuse problem. <laughs> but, you know, Nick Kent wrote a, a book called The Dark Stuff, and he was a rock and roll journalist. And he makes the argument in that book that what killed a lot of great musicians and their talent was heroin, yeah. was alcohol. You know, I mean, like, you know, um, um, the Pogues, um, Lou Reed, these were really talented yeah, people, yeah. and they fucked off in a corner. So... You know, I don't know, man. I, I don't well, know the answer. But, like, but crisis drives art sometimes, right? You've seen, I've seen a lot of good comedians, good musicians, good artists that get sober, find love, and then they suck at their craft. Yeah, Chevy Chase. Happens all the time. Yeah, Keith Urban's I, one of them. Like, got married to Nicole Kidman. All of his music sucks. I don't know if it's yeah. because, see, I don't know if it's because Sorry, they Keith got. Sorry, Keith Urban. You're a cool dude. No, but I don't think it's because they got sober. I think it's because they got too rich. Yeah. I think they got too comfortable. I think they got too... This goes back to your initial point. Then. Yeah, because what happens is all of a sudden you you now are running the machine that is your label. So now you're responsible for your employees. You're responsible for your house staff. You're responsible for That's fair. Your, your wife who's just loves you, you for you, whatever. You your giant bush maze in the back of your castle that requires All so that much. Shit. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. like that, that thing is yes. heavy maintenance. Like it's a, a giant bush maze. I'd love to have a bush maze. You know, <laughs> can I ask you a question now yeah, that you're yeah. a mogul? Do you have a bush maze? No, but the, I, I mean, shaved I, one in my pubic hair. Yeah. You're welcome oh, to check dude, that out. I will check it That's, out. I was, you don't have pubic hair, Matt. I was making that pubic hair. He's just kidding, guys. He keeps it smooth as fuck. I was making that joke last night to my wife. I was like, is it is it just like really rich people in England in England that at a certain point it's like well we got to have a castle yeah. and a giant we fucking bush, bush maze like is it, where is that point how much money is this that you're like oh I, I don't think you'll ever when, do that when you way, go Adam. to the party with your friends you're like oh yeah. you guys don't have a giant bush maze in the back of your castle like <laughs> it, what the fuck is wrong with you you know what I mean it's a like, weird flex it's a weird flex it's, it's a, a weird, weird flex, flex. It's like, it's like, weird I would think flex. a lot of other things if like, I had that much money like, to yeah, like, well no the you guys are hunting people in your bush maze in the back of your castle the weird flex is not that the weird flex is I went to a billionaire's house. I'm not going to say his name, but please uh, do. I can out him, dox him. Let's fucking dox him. He's a billionaire <laughs> and a famous billionaire. And I went to his house, and he had he had young men who looked like Matt Best with with like just the best looking men who were his manservants, just on call, just dudes stand there getting, giving you. And I was just like, this guy, this guy has the money to have just men he wants to bang. I'm curious what their around. official title is, though. Like, yeah. where's 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 that job well, the description flex, and the, the, flex the, the would HR? Be to have Matt, you know, with his shirt off as your as the hedge master. No, yeah. no, yeah. hedge master. He's I would head take that manicurist. Job. Yeah. No, head of security, but I have to do it in a pink thong. But I have an Uzi. <sighs> oh, dude. Yeah, and quad yeah. nods. My panos oh, here, yeah. just with an Uzi. Oh, yeah, but yeah. please Sign have a, please have a boot knife. But there's no boot. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just like a dive knife. Do you know what I'd do if I was a special ops guy? The only thing I'm wearing though. 
is the fucking sandals. Your Fuck. sandals. You know? This is it's all a I sandal want. Knife. This is all I want. You want toe holes. Don't ever call them sandals. They're okay. flip-flops. They're toe holes. Best, best on the planet. Sandals. Right. Don't ask about the black stingray and fucking elephant straps, sustainable elephant. But they're not, they're not, they're not for you. But um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but fucking uh, that that would be awesome. But all I want, I want to have, first of all, I want to have the kind of delts <laughs> that look great. In nothing but a fucking Kevlar vest. Ooh, yeah, I yeah. don't want yeah. sleeves, and I want a fucking I want a a, a leg holster. Did Sweet. you guys? Did, does is there any division in the military that has that keeps their pistola on a, on their fucking leg? I like leg I used holsters. To, I did the invasion of Iraq with a with a. Um, Thigh. Oh, that's some thigh early, thigh. That's some early G Watt stuff right I did, there. I did, it's, like, it's, it's like OG G Watt. I Bro. did like drop leg. Yeah. Oh fuck. Dude. A lot of like MPs have Sick. that because they have their like little thigh holsters. This is cutting edge. Like, not... like this is like cutting edge shit back in the day. I, had, I, was, like, I was you humiliated. Drop that thing down like. Oh, yeah. I was Sick. humiliated recently. I, so I do this this YouTube show called Best of, where I, I I go and find somebody fascinating and I spend the day with them. So I did it with Brian Shaw, four time strongman. He's six mm -hmm. eight. 440 trim pounds. Trim. Let me say it again. Yeah. I know. 6'8", 440. He can take 720 pounds and squat it 13 times in under a minute. I can do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. takes 300 pounds and pushes it over his head. What? And he looked at me, and I, I looked at him, and That's I had, crazy. well, he's, he's, a, he's a legit giant. He has to have, he can't sit in coach. Can't sit He in cannot coach. sit in he coach. Can't he fit. has to. His yeah. hips won't fit in the seat, ladies and gentlemen. Right. So he's, and even some first class seats are dicey I, I love when those dudes take a picture of what they eat in one day and it's oh, like dude, seven I ate with dozen them. fucking I ate with eggs 10,000 calories like? is it 10,000 calories I ate, I ate with them I, I shot the whole thing it's coming out soon it's fucking awesome I had so much fun I love that guy he's the greatest guy he's so fucking funny we we so so speaking of thighs and, and arms yeah he I look at him and I, I'm standing there and he's a legit giant and I and you know me I'm a smart ass and I go I go uh you 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 don't find me. I mean, there was nothing in your eyes that said. I mean, I'm a little bit. I mean, you're, I'm, you're quietly impressed with my athleticism. I'm pretty well proportioned. And he goes, No, no, no. I was just taking you in. I go, Good, good, because I'm an all around athlete. And, yep. and he goes, No, no, no. I know. I said, Good. Okay. Well, I just wanted you to acknowledge me. And he goes, No, that's good. And I go, um, I lift as well. So, and he goes, No, I, I, I understand. And I go, and so we just kind of stare at each other. And he goes, What, what would you? Uh, I go. I do a lot of work on my legs, so I want to do some work on my legs. And he goes, your legs? I go, yeah, I got thighs. I got quads. Quadzilla. Quadzilla. He goes, really? Now, um, would you say that your? Do you think that your leg is bigger than my arm? And I, and I looked at him, and I, and I looked at him, and I went, Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. That's yeah, an insulting question, but I got quads, so yeah. And he goes, Really? I go, Yeah. And he goes, Okay. Is there a tape measure around? And his assistant comes over with a tape measure. And his measured, arm is bigger than I your I measured way. his arm, and he measured my thigh. And... Uh, you, you he's got me by two inches. Have you ever shut up? Yes. Have you ever looked at their wrists? Like Robert Orbers is a good buddy of ours. Bro. Great dude. Like they're they got gorilla mitts. So I couldn't put my I couldn't put my he became a strong man because there's something called the Thomas Inch barbell. Mm -hmm. It's a circus trick. Mm -hmm. you, you you and no one can pick it up. Like if you try to grab it, a million one out of a million people, one out of millions can get it up because it's so thick and it rolls in your hand. Oh, yeah, It was yeah, originally yeah. done a circus yeah. trick. And he, before he was a strong man, he was a basketball player, went, he just got it and he picked it up. Shut up. And the guy said, do you know what you just did? <laughs> and he goes, no. And he goes, you did what one in maybe 10 million people can do. 
or maybe a hundred million. He said, it, it, no one can do that. And that means your fingers are so strong. You can, you're, you can pinch something. So look, it's so crazy that, that if you don't become a strong man, it will be a travesty. And that's what got him involved in being a strong man. That's crazy. He, was so he like weird. a collegiate basketball player yeah, or something? Yeah. Okay. He's also super competitive. Right. Like when he was trying to pull the toe hold apart, right. he fucking pulled the skin off his. Oh, yeah. And I'm making him a pair. We're making him a pair, but we had to get. So so I wanna, I'm want i making him a pair of black samurai. They, that's for very special people. Okay. But we're, or black dragon. We have black dragon. Ooh. You're not ready for black dragon? No. Let, me look, let me look at you. He's, he's not, not ready. ready. He's, he's not, not ready. ready. I'm a black samurai guy. You, I, by the way, Andy Stump had what were you guys wearing? You guys were wearing the blue crocodile, right? Yeah, yeah. that's sick. <clears throat> like Nile crocodile. It's fucking. Again, not for you. Stick to the wicket and Craig. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but but um, he fucking. We have to make him a pair. And uh, what size is okay? That? So so he measured his foot and Ag, who's the founder who makes these motherfuckers by hand. Like he, 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 he's the one, if it's a custom made like that, he still makes a lot, you know, a lot of them, but he, he will take two days to make you a pair. You're, you're going to, AG's going to make you a pair. I'm going to have, Oof. I'm going to have a number. When he makes them, so yeah. this motherfucker, so AG, just so you know, just so you know what you're getting, I, I begged him to lower the price. Like I was like, we got to, and he showed me how much we spent on just materials. I was like, just lower the price. He goes, uh, never in a million years, and they're welcome that I don't charge a thousand dollars. You're welcome that three hundred and fifty is the lowest price, and you'll take that and be happy. You're welcome. He, he there's no compromise. So we had to. So Ag he he measured his foot, and Ag goes, "We don't have a die for that. We don't have the fucking." No so way. we had to go make an eight hundred dollar die, especially for him, because his foot is over fourteen inches long. Holy crap! Yeah, so that's he's not a, a fourteen. He's yeah. a legit giant. So we're he's making got some him. alien blood in him. I don't think he's all human. Oh, I said to him, I go, like, were your you're a bear? So yeah, so either your you're mom a grizzly bear, your mom snuck into a hibernating yeah. bear's yeah. den and something happened, or like nobody's like that. And his parents are big, but there's no one like. Well, let me say it again: six eight, maybe six nine, four hundred forty trim pounds, sir. Has trim. He, I wonder, has he ever done like a, a twenty two, like a blood test or genetic test to see where he came from? Yes, he's he's a lot of things. He's a mix. It's really? a, it's a genetic accident. Okay. But what's not an accident is his his fierce competitive spirit. Right. Like I'm telling you, he was like trying to pull the fucking the he 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 wouldn't stop. Like he he was pulling the skin off his hands because it made him furious that he couldn't pull him apart. That's how, like anything you have him do, he's going to win. He's going to win. That's why he was the four times strongest man in the world. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he might even go for a fifth. That's a secret. What's he, what, what do you do as a strong man? Like what, what is your daily life? Well, like? I worked out with him. Yeah. Eating now his and lifting gym, heavy shit. What's that? Eating and lifting very heavy yeah, shit. Yeah. I used a lot of chalk and yeah. a belt and, 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 uh, he was just moving around with us, obviously. But his workouts are stupid because th there's yeah, conditioning. Yeah, what does that look like? Well, there's conditioning. So he'll take like he, – so they do crazy shit. Like they'll take 200-pound sandbags mm -hmm. and just walk them for a long period. Or take 200-pound – so they'll do conditioning while they take the sandbag, lift it up, throw it over the back, lift it up, throw it over the back, lift it up, throw it over the back, then push a sled. So that's all conditioning. But right. then they get into heavy – that's when they're doing the heavy shit, when they're doing, when they're moving crazy weight. And yeah. it's a balancing act because you can't do too much 
and hurt yourself. Right, right. And then how you warm up is everything. He's got a $10,000 machine that vibrates on your calves to warm you up. Then he does the plate, what? you know, the vibrating. Yeah. Because because you you take so much wear and tear on your calves, on your ankles, and everything. Yeah. on all that little shit. So when you go in and move weight, you better warm that area up. So he's got this roller right. like that that kind of like vibrates. It felt fucking amazing. But that's how he starts. The warm-up process alone. Then he gets on that plate, that vibrating plate. Mm -hmm. All that shit. When you, when you talk, so, so a dude like that knows more about the body and nutrition than anybody because yeah. they have to. They have to. What's that look like <clears throat> from caloric intake? Like what, what is that guy look, eating? 10,000 calories yeah. a day, sir. He'll eat, I think it was something like 30 eggs in a sitting. Holy no, dude. shit. In so, a sitting. So he made no, those me. those guys, because yeah, I've, I've hung out with a few strong men. Like, it's freaking yeah, crazy. Yeah, he said the hardest thing is eating because yeah. you, you he'll yeah. make like, Two pounds of, of grass-fed beef, sushi rice, and then just a m bunch of mashed sweet potatoes. Kind of delicious. And but, then some sea salt. You know, but you got to be disciplined. A lot of the guys that I know uh, take a lot of edibles because it's the only way that they can force feed themselves because they need the calories <sighs> yeah. in, there. It's in there. I mean, even um, Matt Frazier, when he was uh, training for the CrossFit, he, was, he told me he was drinking like 20 Gatorades a day or something just for calories. That guy's a freak. Because he was burning yeah, so many calories. He was just... Yeah, he's he's a genetic freak. He's too. a genetic freak. Yeah. Like when you see what that that the, the, those guys are, those high level CrossFit dudes are just a different breed. They are. Did you yeah. you probably had met those guys in in the military, right? Some of those guys. Yeah, yeah, just, for yeah. sure. They can yeah, just they, keep keep running. Yeah. There's a lot of those guys that have that that genetic strain where you're like, oh, you're a freak. Got yeah, it. or they yeah. don't need sleep. Like, like I I could never fucking you know, I would last exactly a half hour in SEAL training because I get too cold, so right. I'd I'd get hypothermia because I have a long neck, right. and I need my sleep. You need, you yeah. need yeah. I need my sleep. Dude, I was a sleepy ranger. I didn't care about food, but bro, I was it was hard. Like range school, I was I was trying to sneak in naps everywhere. Everywhere, right? Everywhere. I once yeah. positioned myself in between two trees so I could sleep on a knee. This no. is wonderful. No, I got really? like an hour sleep. <laughs> felt like a new man. Yeah, they yeah. they fuck with you guys. They, they'll they'll sleep deprive you like crazy, right? Yeah, Rangers. that's British schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of lots of not eating and lots of no sleep. Did you recycle? Yeah, recycle Florida. What Just Florida. Mean? Yeah, it all goes. And then uh, what is recycle? Oh, so so you unpack that a little bit because I mean we got to. Yeah, so like when you there's three main phases of Ranger School, and then each one you get graded under a graded position. So you'd get like you'd be a squad leader, and then your job is to go put a linear ambush out on some op four opposing forces, and then you have to do it very successfully to the to the mission and then you get a go or a no-go so i got goes went to mountains got to go there and then i got i think i got three no-goes i had a really freaking asshole ri that just didn't like me um so what, what do you think what do you guys think it is about your personality that that got you through it i think a lot of people that did sports for me is you're just as long as you're content with being extremely uncomfortable for long periods of time that's really what most selections are mm -hmm. i mean yeah. like People are like, oh, ranger school. Like, ranger school is easy. Like, it's honestly not that hard. It's just really fucking uncomfortable. You're always tired and you're always hungry and you're always walking. But you're always with your boys, too. Like, for me, I yeah. just I just be like, I'm not quitting if I'm with my friends. Like, you, I don't want to let You find those down. key moments, right? And where that's where that, like, that family comes from when you're like a foxhole freezing your ass off and you're making jokes and you have that that brotherhood, like that's what gets you through everything. Mm -hmm. It's the people that isolate themselves and then get lost in their own thoughts of like, why am I here? As long as you just keep your brain busy, yeah. then then it's really hard not to, to pass a lot of those How selections. long would you be cold for? 
Oh, dude, I don't know. Ever? <laughs> just, just always cold. <laughs> the always. coldest I've ever was was there's this thing in uh, back in Rip before it was RAS is coal range. Um, they put us in a patrol base and let us go to sleep early. It was like 9 p.m. Like, that's fucking weird. We're going to get like seven hours of sleep. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they put us in like six inches of water. Dude. They put, yeah, put you in put six part, inches yeah. of water? I put it in my book a little bit. Yeah, we were just literally like hugging each other and like like pretty much fucking almost and pissing on each other to stay warm. Fuck it's, it's the coolest you. I've ever been in my life. Fuck you. It took man. me like 15 minutes when they told us to get up the next morning to even move. Like my body, mm. it just, my brain couldn't control my body because it was so cold. I don't know how anybody didn't die of hypothermia that night, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was awful. Oh my God. How about you? Yeah, I think, uh, like, I remember very distinctly, there were, like, weeks, like, day after day after day where you're you're shivering to the point of which that's just your new reality, and then you, you can't use your hands because, like, yeah. I, I remember being on an ambush line. I had, to, I had to kick out my elbow really far and then put my finger into the trigger well with a straight hand because I couldn't yep. flex my fingers to shoot my rifle. Like, like if you're watching this on the video, I had to pull like bicep back and then hit my and trigger because there's no way to get warm. No. And, and, well, and you know, if, you'll have 50% of the people like they'll quit, you know? And then after a while, everybody's done quitting and there's really not a lot you can do to that group after kind of the, that you've separated the weakness yeah. out. There's really just. But not what was a lot. it about you that didn't get you to quit? Ego? Or no, I, I think the part beret? of it is like, man, I'm not like, like you don't have a, a, a high regard of yourself, right? You're like, I heard that. I'm, I'm like, whatever. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that cool. I'm just kind of like I come from like, you know, like labor genetic stock. Like all of my, you know, family, they're all you know, loggers and sheep herders, like oh, okay. they're all hard people too, yeah. right? They're like super hard. My dad, I saw him get up at four o'clock in the morning for my entire life. Everybody worked in the woods. Like, you know, I was always like, you know, the runt pussy in the family, you know, like, and what I was doing That's what was I mean, it, a healthy sense of self-loathing. Yeah, like I'm yeah, a, a healthy, a healthy sense of self-loathing that helps because you're like, I'm not that special. Yeah. I'm not that fucking cool. You know, if I quit, like this is going to validate my entire family's perception of myself yeah. either way. Like you're just a big pussy. And we always, yeah. knew that my you were brother told quit. Me he's like, just, you know, you'll never make it to be a yeah, ranger. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. always stuck in my head. Yeah. It's like, fuck you, pussy. Dude, thank yeah. God for your brother. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, right? yeah. Thank God. Well, like, I look at Tim Kennedy, like, like Tim's such a genetic, he's built like a yeah. fucking Freak. bridge troll. Yeah. So it's like, Hey bro, you know, th he's like this thick. He's just got muscles he's, he's a everywhere. He's a fucking gorilla. He's a gorilla. And gorilla. he's the kind of guy who can just be like, ah, you know, it's fucking cold, but it's not, you know, yeah. and like, I just break down. I just yeah. couldn't, you know, some he, of it's just your physicality. He too. doesn't care oh, either. Right. Yeah. He doesn't care. Like, well, he, he's the toughest guy. I mean, you're talking about is. a guy who's, oh, I don't know. Let me see. But you know how good he was as a, a UFC fighter. He fought Yoel Romero and in my, for my money beat him. The only yeah, guy yeah. to ever beat Yoel. But yeah. then there was that timing thing, but that's how good yeah, that motherfucker was. Set him on he's the indestructible yeah. and didn't get tired. Yeah. No, and then, oh, by the way, I'm going to be a green beret. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. And it's like, the other thing about him is he's always really positive. He's like I love him. super yeah. positive. I love he's always him. plugged in, trying to create value in people's lives in a way that's yeah. like, you know, hey, how you doing? How's the family doing? Like he'll go out of his way yeah. to really try to encourage people to be positive. Great dude. And that type of individual, like they, they, they're they're like one in tens of millions of people, if not hundreds of millions of people. They're they're yeah. just completely off the off the charts as far as like the guys that physical genetic freak he's super positive and plugged in his psychology is like so 
impenetrable. Like, yeah. you can't did, did you defeat that guy. Uh, yeah, of course. It's fucking like, it's good, great fucking book. incredible, man. So, it, and he doesn't have this huge ego either, right? He doesn't because no. he beats himself up all the time, talks about how he's an idiot or whatever yeah. it is. Well, he's always like, posting himself getting his ass beat on Instagram. Even well, he took gym. me yeah. through special yeah. forces. Like, not. I mean, he he yeah. said we're gonna have a great day today, and he just took me through like clearing a house and and right. shooting from. A, I mm -hmm. was I was such a disaster, by the way. Shooting from a moving vehicle, jumping out of the car. I got stuck. My holster. I mean, the whole thing was fucked. I had to it's extract awesome. from the car. I couldn't get out. I, I My holster You're, was stuck, and he was shooting the gun so that the shells would hit me in the face. He's <laughs> such a piece of shit, but... But, he uh, likes to see other people in pain. Too. Oh yeah, he really yeah. does. Yeah. He likes to see people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he likes to see people in pain. He likes to cause harm <laughs> to people Psycho. and his friends. He likes to really see them. And his them. face is like this. Yeah, he's like super yeah. happy. Like, yeah. oh, I like to see you. There, really there's those guys I've spoken about before, but like, like a guy like Tim and I've fought in like mixed martial arts a, a lot part of my life. Like, I've, I'm not bad at it, but like guys like Tim can just take you down and hold you and tickle you. Oh, that's yeah, like, yeah. He like can do that to me. That's when people are like, oh man, you should fight Tim Kennedy. This would be funny. I'm like, the guy's a fuck. He could high he level could, black belt. He could like, fuck you. If you yeah. He would just hold me down. Like that's yeah. why I carry a gun. That's right. Like that way, people that's like that I, can't force their will on me. That is correct. I had, I had, correct. I had this like, I love like these Tim Tennedy thoughts because I have them every now and again, and like every other year or so. Whenever I run into these moments, where a few years ago I was in Texas and I was driving the speed limit. I had my 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 newborn and my other kid in the car. I was driving like five over the speed limit. Right, guy is right up on my ass. Like, like right that up on my ass. Crazy. That's and it, that yeah, it pisses me off. And I'm like, dude, I'm doing like five over. And you know, those windy Texas roads, like yeah. you just don't, you, you don't really speed. One, I don't want the ticket. Two, I've got little kids in the car. And there's a guy right up on my ass. And I pull over because I'm like, I need to let this dude go around me. So I pull over and this guy gets in behind me and pulls off the road with me. And one, I'm thinking, like, oh, what shit. is this? fucking guy's problem did you have a gun on you uh yeah of course and <laughs> two and two i'm like what is like you're gonna die dude like th this is not like like you don't know who i am tim yeah. kennedy lives in texas like holy shit are you are you nuts like you don't know who you're gonna run yeah. into yeah so i just pulled out like he got out of his car and i was and i was like yeah, yeah, or something, you know. And then as soon as he got out of his car and started walking forward, I just pulled back out onto the road and drove away, right? Yeah, because right. I'm not going to get in a, in a physical my altercation with my kids? kids in the car. <laughs> no. And, you know, this is a guy that's in a F-350. It has a professional logo on the side for a construction company. How He's, weird. It was so strange, but it was a Tim Kennedy moment where I was like, who is the insane person yeah, you're gonna that get thinks shot. that you're going to step out of a car in yeah. Texas and start walking and closing the gap? Fuck around and find out. And it's out. like, whoa, dude, you, you don't know what's what's going to happen. Yeah, and I got my kids in the car, and so I got I'm my kids shoot you in the, in the fucking like, face. Yeah. It was just like one of those eye-opening moments where you're like, dude, I could be, be Tim Kennedy. The other yeah. one was like, we were talking about this, creating this competition where, where we were like, well, we're going to have this like shooting competition that's long-range shooting. Uh short range archery like have all these different different events and then have like a section where you have to like put a bicycle together with a welder or some shit to ride it five yeah. miles and then and then you have a smoker at the end where you just like box or fight or whatever it could be like mixed martial arts at the end to declare the ultimate man right i think that's what we we, yeah. we, we framed it up as but then i was like 
Did I just invent a competition for Tim Kennedy to fucking win? <laughs> yeah, was that like, what I did? I just invented something that I was like, I'm going to go and get my ass beat by Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, well, that's why weight classes exist, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. They, yeah they, that's some people, that's just not the arena to enter with Tim because he's going to he's gonna do nasty shit to you. I was with Brandon Schaub one time when he was fighting. And, you know, UFC heavyweights say we will black belt in jiu-jitsu. Enjoy that shit. Right. Uh, deadlifting 600 pounds. And uh, some dude, some dude, like probably like 40, some civilian. In, in we're in Brennan's car in his Porsche and this fucking dude is doing the same shit and then just pulls just pulls next to us like you got a fucking problem he's got the wrapper oh my and gosh and I went I, I think I said something like I was like don't get daddy mad because if he busts, he gonna bust. <laughs> <laughs> the guy nukes was like, I go, look at his ears. Mm, uh, not for you. Yeah. No. Turn him. The guy saw the guy who saw his ears is like, oh fuck this. <laughs> I'd love that. That's to a have telltale sign, cauliflower ears. Yeah. You just you can get them, just do them. I was to, a wrestler. To scare Nothing off. happened. Really? Yeah, but I wore my headgear. Oh, smart man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you wear a singlet when you're I'm wearing uh, one right now? You're wearing one yeah, right now. Yeah, but it unsnaps at the crotch. Good. So it's kind of like a leotard. What was the question? Do you wear a singlet when you're doing MMA? When you're when you're doing jujitsu? Only when I'm street fighting. Yeah, good. Yeah. Only yeah. so, and then sometimes just for discipline. Hold on, I have to get my singlet on. I yeah. think that would and actually be and, and lovemaking. Yeah. Uh, when when my when my, when it's my lady's lucky day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying, yeah, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I pull it, I pull it off, and I'm like, this is what a father of three looks like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would it. be interesting if you have a singlet with those three snaps, like mm -hmm. a child's onesie, mm -hmm. with, that you can snap and be like, if you're in a physical altercation or an argument that might be leading that, yeah. and you pull out your singlet at yeah. the bar. Be like, wait one. Hold on. I'm going to put my singlet on yeah. before we get no, into you have this. it already on, and you, and have, you just rip you it off. Like that. Yeah, you have yeah. Velcro, and you go. Yeah, yeah. rip away clothing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an with. Olympics USA yep. or USA mm -hmm. uh, singlet, but ready to rock. To put, put your, your headgear on because when you shoot a single, you got to brush your feet across, mm -hmm. along the ground. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know the techniques. You know, know how to you know how to shoot a good single, huh? I know a lot of techniques, bro. Yeah, I'm more of a double leg guy, but it's no big deal. What? Yeah, you know. God, I you, like to go for both. I'm... Your blast double must be crazy. Where's your face? <laughs> <laughs> right in your singlet, you know. Oh man, your assistant's working, man. Thanks a lot, bro. Good um, shit. God, how's man. this? Uh, how is that hunt with Ranella? The best. The best. But but Ranella loves every day. Ranella will never get tired. He's a billy goat. He'll climb the highest mountain. Doesn't matter. And he doesn't get tired. He knows everything. He knows everything about everything. everything. He can go smell that. And you're like, what? And he goes, smell that. And you're like, what? And he goes, Beaver was there. Like he's a tracker on yeah. that level. It's crazy. Yeah. And then he likes to suffer. If we can sleep in the water, we're gonna sleep in water. Like he's like, let's go to a glacial lake mm -hmm. in Alaska and land there on a with a seaplane, and then we'll be in our tent for thirteen hours because gale force winds are hitting, and then let's walk around for four days, and you won't see fucking deer one. Because you know what? Even the deer are like, ah, oh, fuck this. This is the worst. Let's go down lower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we're up there. Look, there's nothing. We saw a, a mama bear and her cub. And she was up there because the male bears would have eaten her cubs. So she was like, we'll just stay up here and yep. scrounge around for fucking roots. So Ranella likes that. He likes mm -hmm. to get, you know. He the, likes to get those guides at that level are so crazy. I know a few of them. The same to your point, they'll like smell and be like a deer passed here three days ago. You're like, how the fuck do you know? It's that? amazing. I, I go because I I just that's when I can make Rogan laugh because we're miserable, we're freezing and all that. That's when the humor comes out. Yeah, because there's nothing to do and you're fucking hungry, 
and all you want is to kill a deer and fucking eat it right there. Like when we shot a deer in Montana, I ate that shit raw. Yeah. Like Ranella, <laughs> Ranella was making me sushi. Yeah, yeah. And Rogan was like, I'm okay. I was like, you And I, I ate you gotta my You got to eat that heart. You got to eat that shit. It's delicious. It's delicious. You it know the so worst fun. heart I've ever had was when I caught my swordfish? And I ate that raw. Oh, that fuck. was it. Was fishy. It's real fishy. Real fishy. You know what? I, don't fi- eat and I didn't. Swordfish? I should have like dunked it in the water to get yeah. like that film bile oh, off yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. I just, nah. I just sent it. And I don't. Eat, I don't eat swordfish because two reasons. One, they're older. They're bigger. More mercury. And there's a shitload of mercury. But also, they got fucking parasites. They got worms in that meat. That are fucking longer than your body. They'll just seriously. You, oh yeah, that's how man. I keep so so toned so, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I eat I eat raw swordfish ta- and the tapeworm just kind of cleans up this cake and whiskey. That's I where drink. you get those dinner roll abs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Those things. How, are... how do you? How, how, why does your skin look like a fucking tulip petal? <laughs> <laughs> Another commercial break. Another it. commercial break. So when I break. stop like that, yeah. that's when you We're guys cut that's to commercial. That's to commercial. Shop <laughs> Those uh, what are they? Sandals? You said? What I call? Bro, them? they're fucking. Yeah. They're fucking flip flops, bro. I that love will those never sandals. break. They're really good. Did you get a pair? Because the ones you had at the wedding didn't fit you. They did not fit me. And did you I get felt, a pair that fit you? So you know how you Your said, size you, you, six, right? You read uh, what was it? Memoir of a Geisha, mm-hmm. right? So I know what it's like to be a geisha because I wore a a ill fitting. Dude. Uh, sandal, yeah, uh, flip flop, yeah. and Andy's wedding because, mm. and they were, I think all the Andy, groomsmen. Andy's, Andy, like Andy's the Andy's, ultimate troll. Andy's also a, a co-owner in Tillholz. Yeah, you know that he's he owns he owns some of the company. So he's we, like veteran. These owned. are yours. Yeah, this is where these. Did he purposely like, give you small ones? Holy shit, dude! No, because then you, I got you the ones gave that your fit. size. You get. You said you were something, something, and yeah. then yeah, yeah, and then but then I got the ones that actually fit, and they're super. So comfy. Ag can look at your forearm, and he'll tell you what size you are. So what, from what? your wrist to to right here is the size of your foot. Shut up. Yep. That's not real. From your, you try just made it, that try up. it right now. From your wrist like to here, like, that's the size of your fucking foot. I, that's about that. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I know it's that's weird, right. but that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So most people's my dong feet size too. are the size of your dong. Yeah. Right. You're you're blessed. Um, but yours goes your yours points straight down, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine's straight up, and his is straight down. God. It's a yin and yang. Yeah. Mine, mine, mine curves this way, so I can fuck you got around. A dog corners. wood left. Nice. You got a dog wood left. <laughs> you proud of that one? Yeah, dog leg left. <laughs> I punctuate. I can only have sex like this because it just goes I, straight down. Oh, you know? oh, oh. How long? How long have you been doing your podcast? How many the years? The fighter and the kid. Yeah, yeah. We are just on the ones that we have kept track of. We are at. Uh, almost 900 episodes. Are you but, really? but we've been doing it for almost 10 years, man. For 10 I years? I think 10 years. Do you know how many downloads you guys have so far? Crazy amounts. Like, Remember, we were the number four podcast yeah. in the world for like five, six years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're still, you know, and now we're, we got back to like putting, we're silly goose now. We got Harlan Williams, Rick Glassman. Yeah, we got Dan yeah. Carvey coming up. We got some great guests. So it's it's really been exciting because we, we're getting back to the humor. We're nice. getting, so Brennan and I, I don't know what happens. You know, after a while, you've been doing it so long and we just found the joy in it again. And we've just been having so much fun it's just it's, it's a great podcast fucking goose yeah. time man. It, is it is super funny yeah, yeah. man. It's, i love that podcast. i'm proud of it are you still yeah. down in malibu area we we do it in calabasas calabasas now yeah. okay but it's just been so it's like we were talking about it the other day we were like this we're back like it just feels great and people really? are like yeah because we're just we're having guests on and we're just being silly and it's what people like what what we realized was that fighter and the kid 
is the podcast you put on when you want to escape. You don't want to hear about politics and all no, that. When yeah. you want to escape and fucking laugh. And I swear to God, dude, we still, it's, I can't help it. We try not to tell dick jokes. We try not to be, we try to be mature and it just doesn't work out. It I, doesn't work out. We just end up being complete idiots. That's authentic I don't, and it's but fun. It, it's how but dudes I, are. Yeah. But yeah, that's the point. It's like, that's how, that's how we all are. So yes. I, I was having this, I was having this commentary the other day about like my daughter's, they're, my daughter like writes uh, uh, poop on sticky notes and then sticks them all over my computer and like daddy's your poop like basically yeah, so your cute. poop and like puts them all over my computer and like my screens and stuff and I'm like it, it never it, it doesn't get unfunny or it doesn't get not yeah. funny it's always funny yes. it's hilarious yes because i'll walk into my office at house and like there's all these sticky notes it's like you're a poop and like drawings of poop and yep. but you're a butt yep. you're a fart face or and whatever and I'm like, fart it's face. hilarious yeah. always it's hilarious always. at five years old or 45 correct it is still funny exactly. it is consistently funny yeah. all the time a i put a fart joke in a my fart life is funny you did? Yeah, I just I just thought it was it, was it never it never, it never loses its uh it's like running hills. Yeah. It never gets easy. Never <laughs> stay <laughs> hard. I do this and I do this thing with the get, the girls, right? Where I'll be like, Oh, you know, like you gotta get something out of this bottom drawer and I'll come over or they'll come over and I'll I'll like fart right in the like right in like the kitchen area and both of them will run out of there. So now they're getting smart. So I've gotta get smarter to yeah. up yeah. my game. Right. You know what I mean? Well, I gotta like I, I really used to tell I was really good with my kids. I would tell them fantasy stories. I would come up with these stories about yeah. the enchanted forest. And I would have characters and I'd have and I told them that when I was a kid, I was in I was in nature camp and I went to camp with uh, a, a group of Native American shapeshifters. And 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 I would tell them these adventures and they would be like, Holy shit, like I had this whole world <laughs> I came up with, this whole world. And they would just be like so into it. The problem is that there's something called Pixar and yeah. something called yeah. fucking Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. And they, I can't compete with Tanger yeah. Dragon. I can't compete can't. with that shit, That's man. a good yeah. flick. That's, Fuck, a, good, that's a sad flick, too. And they'd yeah. be like, Dad, whatever with this. I got to watch, you know, yeah. Avatar. Avatar. Fuck, yeah, yeah. man. And so, yeah, we like, read every night. For the last few months, we've been reading um, a series of unfortunate events. The the oh the yeah, and the girls because so we'll do a chapter every night. So and there's like ten books or something like that, and they just fucking love it. And uh, but they they get to set up their little art stations and they're drawing and we're reading. It's it's like the most family wholesome thing. That's that, awesome. It's like so ever, great, right? It's and it's like for months now, and so these girls are going to remember this until they're you know long of until, until i'm long gone you know yeah my grandpa or their grandpa was there so my dad was there the other night and he's like sitting there drawing with the girls and my wife's reading a series of unfortunate events and i'm telling fart fart and dick jokes probably not dick jokes or nothing kids, better but yeah, not dick, not dick and uh but it's like so much fun to engage with the girls on that yeah. level where my my kids get to just kind of like use their imagination they just get to just do whatever it is they do. Cause I, I do the same thing. I'll come up with like, I, I tell original dad stories. My wife really likes books. So she likes structure. She likes like starting and end where it's mm -hmm. like, I just start a story. I'm like, all right, what, what do you guys want to, what, what kind of characters do you want in the story tonight? You know, it's like, choose your own adventure type stuff. And Ron will go like, I want a duck. And I'll be like, okay, so what color is the duck? Cause okay, it's a red duck and his name's Bill or whatever. And you're like, okay, so here's a red duck named Bill. And then the other one will come up with another 
character and then I'll have them name them and then I'll like feed them into a story and then put together the architecture for them. But that's exactly what, what I'll do like almost every day. Why do you guys think that you both have come through combat and, you know, war so remarkably well adjusted and, and, um, mentally sound and why do you think and i don't know if it's even true but why is uh suicide and mental health i'm sure you've talked to this about yeah, this yeah. ad nauseum but do you have a theory on how mm-hmm. uh, why it happens and and if so what people can do about it yeah i think I mean, I'll, I'll feel the first part of that which is like we we've been really fortunate because the, the fact the fact of it is, is we'd never really had to to transition out of the tribe because oh. we went from you know in our case we went from like the CIA or the military straight into this business where we've always had each other so myself Matt Jared uh, we just went from one team room to the next team room and so we've always had a team I would never have been able to do what I what I did or been a success, I think, to the degree that we've been a success without a team and then building really deep, meaningful relationships. Like like Matt and I are a good mm. example. And I'm not trying to be over emotional on this, but like I mean he is he is literally my best friend. And we have become better friends every year, I think, because of the business and the things that we've had to go through we've been able to build a very meaningful relationship that's which which is very fulfilling and it it also keeps you honest mm-hmm. like it really does so we have that we have something that's like super beneficial in our system. lives it's a support system you know a connection there's a massively competitive nature between a lot of the guys and gals even at the this organization which keeps you like super full of purpose and motivation. But yeah, that Evan made a really good point. Like the tribal thing. I mean, I, I got out of the military and I went to LA. Like that was like the worst two years of my life. Like I was completely lost. I was around like civilians. I was fresh off a of deployment, like, mm. like the most gnarly deployment I went on. Um, but like the effects of war, I think mess with everybody differently. And for a guy like me, it didn't, I didn't never had issues with the stuff I, I, I did or saw. Some of the stuff was like shit, but you had to just figure it out and maybe compartmentalize it. But I think you just have to be honest with yourself. And I've, I'm a fairly introspective guy. So like when I get feelings and thoughts, I try to make sense of them and understand where the root cause of that feeling is, not just impulsive and letting the emotion take over. Mm. But to, to Evan's point, yeah, I mean, I was contracting and I didn't, I left in 2015 and the business was already started Black Rifle and I had Art 15. And so I was always surrounded by that. And I try to take it never for granted, especially Black Rifle, the fact that I get to show up to work and like, say fuck and have friends and other veterans around me that have similar experiences and a very competitive and um high functioning environment i mean if if i didn't have this dude i don't i don't know and i think the a lot of the purpose that we're realizing and trying to focus on at least at least from my standpoint is the networking side of this because the war the war is essentially over but the effects of it aren't and if we can organize and rally the veteran community to stay together and support each other and be a rising tide that lifts all ships um black rifle will still be that vessel because mm-hmm. when we're working with like the apex program skill bridge programs like these really cool things to get veterans in here and they can assimilate find out business and then maybe go start their own business like that that's the objective and and we kind of owe that at least i think so to the community because they provide us the opportunity to make black rifle um 
a successful enough business where we can come to work every single day and pay our bills. So we need to provide that opportunity. You know, to when I, I went to Afghanistan and Afghanistan, Afghanistan. and uh, and I did a USO tour, right? Nice. And and yeah. and and it was a two week thing. And what I what I came back from it. What was fascinating, the, the biggest thing I came back from it with was, and what I loved was how when you're in a war zone or you're in the military, it's all about the person next to you. It's all about yeah. other people. And I had come from Hollywood mm -hmm. where self-perfection yeah, yeah. and self-worship was the only thing there was time for, or so you think. And that selfless environment called a war zone in the military, watching guys, and it was little things, man, where I'd get off and I'd go to get my bag, but I, there'd be somebody already getting everybody's bag, and they, they'd get their bag last, and they'd be giving you your... Everybody didn't have to be told. Everybody was watching out for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Everybody was in service for somebody else. That is, um, I think... Well, first of all, I think that's the way to be in life. I think that there is they've done a lot of studies on your 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 happiness can be measured. It goes up in the right direction when you make it about other people mm -hmm. and you go down the other direction when you make everything about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Including your own mental state, your own, you know, there, there's a great great fucking book by Tolstoy called A Confession where at 50 years old, profound book at 50 year old, years old he he had been he was internationally recognized he was in he mentioned in the same breath as freud mm -hmm. and darwin and you know mm -hmm. all these people so he he had accomplished worldwide fame which was actually a goal he was also really into physical exercise he wanted to be he always wanted to be athletic so he worked out with the peasants he would do farm work mm -hmm. so he was all about you know strength so and he had plenty of money world famous had reached the pinnacle of art. I mean, he was simply the greatest writer still by many metrics. Like, I mean, that's like ridiculous. Like just a war and peace. Yeah, war and peace. I mean, it goes on yeah. the Brothers Karamazov. I mean, just a phenomenal writer. Um, and so everything was, been living in this amazing house, he had access to everything he wanted in life. And he was 50 years old. And um, he realized that he didn't want to go into the back uh, the shed area with a rope. He he, he was he was he, he didn't want to do it because he he knew if he did he would hang himself, mm -hmm. and then he didn't want to go hunting because he he knew he's going to turn the gun on himself, and he was suicidal, and he couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on, and the book is an examination of that crisis because mm -hmm. he had dedicated himself to self perfection. His purpose was, was himself. Is it's called a confession. 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 His purpose was himself. His purpose was to be perfect and that he had been worshiping just his own cubic space and his impact. Mm. But then he looked at the peasantry who had hard lives. I mean, they were sickly, they were, you know, they, they were lame, uh, they, you know, they, 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 had, they worked the fields and they were all way happier than him. And they would go to church and they didn't even, like sometimes the sermon was held in Latin, they didn't even mm -hmm. speak the Latin and they, they, they would go through this ritual that had no bearing on their material yeah. lives. And he was like, what the fuck am I, what the fuck is going on that these people who had these rough lives who don't even have teeth are happier and in some cases joyous and I want to end it. It's a great examination of, of that sort of idea of, you know, where, where, where it sounds to me like you guys moved into a place where you're still together, you're working together, mm -hmm. you're a community 
and you're able to help each other. It's so fucking important, man. Well, it's an interesting mentality. I mean, you even said it earlier, like some of the most challenging environments lend themselves to be the most creative and fun. Like when you say with Rogan, you're hunting, same with the military. And, you know, we did a song called uh, I Can't Believe We Missed This Shit. And that was the whole premise of it was like, when you think back about the military and granted time, obviously you only remember the good times, but you're like, fuck, I really miss it. Like, why would I miss that? I was like, li like living in a tent on a cot with 12 yeah. other naked men around me and getting mortared and shot at every night. But yeah. there's just like, it was such a sense of community and the environment lend itself to like the brotherhood and really all about your saying to the le guys left and right of you. And yeah. You don't really get that when you get out of the military, and I think it's a lot of the same things in, in pro sports, like that locker room banter, and you see a lot of the pro athletes that yeah. come out of that. And, and then they get lost? They get yeah, lost. So is that what you think it is sometimes? They're, like, they don't know yeah. where to place their energy? That's, that's one of the things, yeah. One of the things. That's one of the things. I, I think there's a, there's, there's a lot it's, of it's an ounce, ounces equal pounds effect, right? Yeah. So you have, you know, greater ounces, you know, and then smaller ounces, but ultimately there's a, there's a, there's the tail, there, there's the scale that's tipped. Uh, you know, I've dealt with, I, I think, a couple of different well, two suicides in the last several months of really, right. important, really important right. and very influential people in my life, like very close friends of mine. And, you know, I've, all, I've, I've said this, you know, a lot, which is, you know, the, the tribe here, like the connection, you know, we have just about 50% veteran, veteran family members. So the culture that we've created in the company is very pro-veteran and also very pro-communication around very specific things that guys are going through, people that are going through, whether they're physical, psychological, emotional. Uh, we can talk about those things. We've created this environment where we can have this open dialogue around anxiety or, or sleep issues or whatever it might be, because quite literally, you know, I understand. Mm. Like I'm not only empathetic, I, I, I understand. And because of this... It's, it's also allowed me to focus on the business. So I focus way more on the business than I do me. It's not about me. Mm -hmm. This isn't an exercise in what, you know, Evan Hafer can accomplish. It's how much energy can I put into the business that allows it to be a success so we can plug in more people to build an even more powerful community and culture. I was, I was actually talking about this the other night with, with the company, uh, talking about how much better my life is and how much better the, the company specifically makes my life uh, because of the people that are involved in it. I get to come into work and I get guys from all walks of life, whether they were Marines or Air Force or Army or whatever it is. But we have this really commonality, this touchstone, especially, especially the warfighter. We have this very significant life-altering like quite literally it affects and changes your DNA. We have that common ground and we can communicate on a much deeper level. And we have a, a, a contact. That's, a, that, that's an intimacy, you know, it's a that's very a form of intimate intimacy. relationship. And we, we all need intimacy mm -hmm. and it doesn't come just from you and your wife. Right. No. It's like, well, and, it's, and it's and binding. So and the, and the caliber of person that this company has attracted is insane. Like there's a guy named Clint trial and he said uh, in an interview, he goes, oh, I looked down and both my legs were missing. And I went, challenge accepted. Yeah. Fuck. Like, fucking, like, Fuck, sign yeah. me up for the military Fuck. again. Like, And he's like the real-life Jason Bourne motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Like, he is a challenge hero. Accepted. Challenge, challenge accepted. accepted. And, like, it's, so, like, those are the dudes that we get to be around. We're like, I am a walking pussy compared to Clint. Yeah, yeah. But, like. That I will never quit because that dude never quit. Well, and he's that, been that, so that's much more than that's me. huge purpose. Like yeah. you, you didn't lose your legs for nothing, man. Like, like yeah. I'll, I'll remember that story. Mm -hmm. 
right? When you hear those stories, it's like that there is there that is what maybe what what service is really about. That's what that sacrifice is about. That makes a difference. Yeah. Man. You hear that and you're like, God damn. Yeah. Challenge yeah. accepted. Well, and now right. we have we have the capability to have impact on an entire generation of GWAT veterans with this company. What's which a GWAT? Is, uh, Global War on Terror. So the Global War on Terror, obviously that veteran, that's our that's our generation of warfighter. And so one of the things that we have to continue to keep in mind is we have to inspire through action. We have to lead by example. So a big reason why we even took the company public was because we need to be able to show the entire GWAT like peer group that you can start a garage. You can start a company in your garage, and in nine years, you can be a publicly traded company. You can build a powerful culture around supporting veterans. You can do all of these incredible, great things within America. Still, you can still yeah. have a great yeah, American we're a bunch business. Knuckle dragon infantry dudes. Yeah, and it's like, like we're not. And we're like, idiots. We're, not smart. Yeah. we're yeah. idiots. So yeah. if we can do yeah, it, yeah, 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 like yeah, think about it. the power of all the people smarter than we are. Yeah, no, like no, we no. can, they can definitely Isn't it do funny? it. Funny anybody who's listening to that. It's important to hear that because, like, like um, so much of like your success sometimes comes where you're like you kind of wake up and you go. Uh, you know, holy fuck, like this actually worked out, but I never, like, I never thought, I never thought of myself as a business guy, for example. No. I never defined, but like, you know, yeah. like I'm doing this, like they got this kind of company, you know, where we come up with ways to make, you know, funny ads and stuff like that. But I, that's what I do anyway. And then before you know it, you're, you get some clients and you're like, I guess that's a client list. And I guess I'm doing this. And I guess we got to kind of figure out a way to organize this, but I don't know how to do any of that shit. But yeah. you know, it's kind of like a controlled fall. Yeah. And you're like, but that's kind of sometimes just assuming the position and taking action. And before you know it, you've got start walking one for yeah, the other. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, sure. I, I'm sure a black rifle is a lot harder than that, but it's pretty cool that, you know, that Thanks. you're able to kind of go, holy fuck. Like, here we are. We have Brian Callen on the Brian podcast. Callen. Like, that's crazy. Oh, it's the same. Like, I started this. Like, Thank when we you. started Thank it, you. it was like, I just want to be able to pay my mortgage. Like, that was it. And, you know, being able to just say, hey, I've got to start this side hustle and then pay my mortgage. And then I wanted to make, you know, essentially dick jokes with my buddies. So yeah. I'm like, I'm going to be able to make dick jokes with my buddies, sell coffee and pay my mortgage. That's cool. That's so stupid. Right? So... Like <laughs> I remember, I remember yeah. when you guys they were doing the podcast. They were Black Rifle Coffee. I was like, all right, yeah, you know, we cool, like cool, these yeah. veteran home. Yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah. fucking his coffee, you know. And well, the real reason, the only reason I got into entertainment, honestly, um, was to meet you. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, when yeah, I that, saw that was you on the reason. set of Range yeah. 15, and I was mm -hmm. like, I have arrived. Brian Callen mm -hmm. is in my presence. Yeah. And then you yeah. kind of medusaed me where you were so attractive yeah. that I went, yeah. I got to start some more businesses so maybe one day I can be in the presence of fucking greatness well, again. Well, th that's why I shaved my head, because if I'm going to leave my hair thick and black and in yeah. my eyes, yeah. we're going to have a problem, yeah. right? right? And we're not going to stay on point. And you're going to be asking me how I do it, right? right? And so I shave my head so we can focus on the topics that right. matter that go beyond myself right yeah. so thank you for that and yeah. thank you for your selflessness like it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's yeah, truly yeah. Yeah. you guys you guys should take my workshop <laughs> yeah and so should everybody else $3,500 for an hour, but there's a an lot of hands-on relaxation. That's an expense. A lot of hands-on stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I'm moving yeah. you around. Okay. I'm moving yeah. you around. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be good. Yeah. Single legs, double legs. Flow Taking the back. Flow, flow. grappling. Yeah. You don't have to be in shape. Call me Khabib, you That's know? Cool. I'm in. My so, buddy, Bilal Muhammad, was telling me that he's fucking, he was working out with Khabib. Bilal Muhammad's number four 70-pounder uh, in the UFC. And... Uh, 
And he was like, he, he, he's in the Khabib, like he was wrestling with Khabib. And he's like, I've been doing this my fucking, like for 10 years at a high level. The guy is fucking mauling me. I can't get up. And he's having a full-fledged conversation with somebody next to me. And he's fucking doing shit with his legs. I'm like, ah, I can't even get up. And he goes, teach me how to get up. And, and Khabib goes, you just have to do it, buddy. Come on, get up. The up. Dakistani mountains have like bred some of the most gnarly, intense fighters. I mean, you even look, I mean, Khabib's retired it's that now. But Ru like it's Islam. actually Russian. It's Russian Greco Sambo. Yeah. It's, it's like the, with those boxers, everything they do is like technique is everything. Yeah. It's like they do. It's it's like that chain wrestling. You can't, yeah. if you're just a folk wrestler and you're gonna do your arm drags and double legs and you wanna fuck around with those Greco guys. Oh, no way. Their, their transitions are like, it's like, I don't even know what the fuck language you're speaking. Yeah. What are you doing? It's, and now I'm, I'm on my back. They put you on, their, on your back and yeah, you're right. They're just weird strong. Well, especially at his level. I mean, you saw like Khabib oh. was like making 20 year wrestlers look like they've never put been on a wrestling mat in their entire life. Making them cry. But yeah, it's, and then yeah. talking to the corner the whole time. Yeah, yeah. crazy. And, crazy and stuff. by the way, Islam Makachev yep. is, is Khabib 2.0. Yeah. Enjoy that shit. Yeah. Walks around at about 200 pounds, by the way, sucks down to 55. Enjoy. Well, is he, <laughs> wait, he walks Islam, rocks around uh, 200. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that from a little, little birdie. birdie. And, Holy and, then, shit. and yeah, yeah. And, and he's going to make his way to 70. He'll make his way to yeah. 70 and enjoy that when he grips you. Well, See I think what he's, you got for that he when he grips at 70, you. I think, right? For the no, other no, title? I believe he's 155, and, and the, the great uh, Volkanovsky mm -hmm. is coming up. From, oh, coming to, up. Now, Volkanovsky trains with 55ers. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love Alexander Volkanovsky, and I, yeah. I, would, I would veto that fight. I wouldn't allow it. I don't so want. you think Islam's going to win? I don't want him fighting Islam. I don't okay. want anybody fighting Islam. See, like, <laughs> I love Dustin. I, Dustin's my buddy. And I'm like, I don't want Dustin fighting Islam. Yeah. I don't want anybody fighting Islam. Just let Islam have that. Dustin, right, right. Dustin is awesome. Is the hot sauce really good? I've yeah, never bought it. I have it in my fucking. I use it all the time. Do you really? So I need to buy some. fantastic. Hot sauce. He's if Louisiana, you're an American, if you're American, sauce. buy Dustin's hot sauce. Okay. All right? Okay. But but yeah, it's like it's like th that. Those guys. That guy is just different, and yeah. he's gonna go to fifth seventy after he's done. He's he's gonna be up at fifty five. Be like, I don't like losing weight anymore. I'm gonna go to seventy, and then he's just yeah. gonna wear everybody like a backpack yeah. and <laughs> grip you. Yeah. He's gonna grip you. You know who the, who the world's nicest fighter is. Michael Chandler. That guy is... Love Michael he's Chandler. He's just... He's salt of the earth. Yeah. Great guy. Funny. Mm -hmm. Great. But, you know... If he, he didn't have pre-existing sponsorships, I would try to sponsor him immediately, but... Handsome kid, He's too. got another caffeinated beverage. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. Not Ma coffee. Chandler's... Chandler's... Uh, he'll have a great career after the UFC. Yeah. Again, I don't want to see a lot of these guys take this much damage. I don't yeah. like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it, you know? Makes their great entertaining fights, but it's, it's uh, <sighs> definitely uh, chipping away at the old stone as far as longevity. You it's know? a tough one, man. Yeah. It's it's just, you know, it's like watching Bryce Mitchell, that that, that young man who's too tough for his own good. Yeah. That got in there with that, that Russian guy with that boxing and that wrestling. It's like, oh. You know, I, you can keep that shit. Yeah, no that's thanks. why I always use kung fu when I fight. You don't get hit. No, you're not. like yeah, and and Steven Seagal trains you. So yeah, if yeah. it all goes back to Steven Seagal. Yeah, they call it, me they call it, me the quite circle, literally we had full it right back. They call me the ghost right back. I'm to not Steven there. You, you're gonna be shadow if, boxing. <laughs> honestly, if you guys haven't gone down the rabbit hole on Steven Seagal movies and how bad they are in the last 
couple years. Yeah. You got to oh, go. Wait, there, there's new ones. Huh? Holy shit. Oh, oh I haven't they seen are, the new ones. They are Dude, the that, yeah. single worst movies okay. yeah. ever made. They, yeah. they are so bad. So they're do you know good. how that works? So they're that, so bad. The, they're the, good. the reason that they make those movies, there's a business thing there. So what they do is they know that a Steven Seagal movie will get a certain distribution guarantee. So there are business people that just finance those movies. Then they, they, they I, I can't remember how it works, but they, they'll, get, they'll get a distribution deal and then they'll borrow the money and then pay back that loan and make the difference. Mm -hmm. So it's all a financing thing. So no matter what it is with Steven Seagal, if he's in the movie for at least 17 minutes, there is a, there's, there are just specs. You will get, you can sell that movie to distributors who can then send it out to overseas. And you know that there are people that will buy that movie from you or at least rent it or whatever, or lease it or whatever it might be. I want to get to that level out. where I can write the world's worst movies, but have enough money to cast like Steven Seagal in it, do like crotch kung fu and just where he like, you know, <laughs> that's it. And pelvis you just, thrust and, and you knocks shoot it in Bulgaria yeah, or, yeah. or Romania yeah. where it's really cheap. And right. then that, that's he's, it. He's a retired kung fu guy that moved to Bulgaria. Yeah. The town gets taken yeah. over by mercenaries, yes. and he yes. only can use crotch. It kung writes, fu. Itself. writes well, itself. It writes itself. Me mm -hmm. and Andy Stuff, will, we we would do this thing on Cleared Hot where we it was tactical asshole. Yeah, I'm going to go that. and do yeah. that. Yeah. Are, are you going to his? The, the, I'm going to February 18th. I'm going to be up there. Absolutely. Are you going to be up there? Of course. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm going to go up opening, there. Man. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's a grand. I'll opening. be there. Yeah. And and uh, we do this thing, this tactical asshole thing, where well, he'll show me movies and ask me what's wrong with. What, how they're doing things because yeah. I used to think that when you came in you when you know you, you have your rifle and you have your your sound suppressor which I call a silencer right and that's what I would do correct but apparently they're louder than that yeah. apparently they're louder mm -hmm. I bought an AR15 and I shot it at Terran tactical correct and yeah. it, and it, I had Terran make it and everything else and I was shooting and I had just regular ear things in outside just mm -hmm. regular things well I went deaf sure well, yeah. I shot it three times, and I was like, because I want that for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah And yeah, I was like, yeah. this is too loud, and I, I now I need earphones, and then I, I can't do this. So the whole thing, my whole idea of war and being ready for the apocalypse, too loud. So well, I, you're I not, gave you're not, my you're not living until you I gave get a belt my AR-15 away to my Did friend. You, what? I gave it to my oh, friend. Oh, I'm disappointed. I in gave you. it to him. It's probably, I don't know how much I spent on it. It's so expensive, and I gave it to him because it's, it's too, too loud. I my home defense. Unit has got to be quieter than it's that. It's like an apple, yeah. just like because an apple on well, yeah, on a yeah, string, on a string, like that's quiet. Well, an apple I use, and a string. I use throwing stars. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. hold on. Like, <laughs> I was gonna that's say Steven Seagal method of home defense. Yeah, throwing dude. stars. Yeah, he used yeah. Throwing stars. I was gonna say it's like less than lethal, but anything with you is lethal. You know, Pretty like much. that's very true. Pretty yeah, much. I do so badly want to be like a shadow warrior. I right. want to be this guy. Just ask me what I did in the military. Okay. What'd you do in the military? This and that, brother. <laughs> this and that. That's <laughs> so sexy. Yeah, 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 yeah. This That's and that. Super sexy. Yeah. Ask me if I ever killed a man. This is my favorite. I, yeah. Have you ever killed anybody? Never stopped to look, brother. <laughs> I, 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 I watched hey, can, can you drop the line though? When someone goes, "What, what's it, what's it feel like to kill somebody?" And you go, "Recoil." Yeah. <laughs> There's another one for your shadow warrior. Yeah, 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 that's it. What's, what's it like to feel? I don't what's know. Like I don't that? know what subsonic ammo goes feels like yeah. through my AR. I don't well, know. We, no, watch. Ask me. Ask me. Ask hey. me what it feels like to kill someone. Watch this. So, what's it feel like to kill somebody, Brian? Like in my shoulder, or, <laughs> <laughs> or the the snap of their neck. 
you know? I like, just, yeah, I, was I always, I always like those. I always like those movies where they somebody just sneaks up behind somebody else and just goes, and then they're so just they're dead. instantly dead. They're just like, so ah, they're just instantly, ah, ah, they're yeah. dead. And it's like, dude, quit. Or they like butt stock him to the back of the head. And yeah, and they're just out for the rest of the movie. Well, Shane Carwin, Shane Carwin, remember Shane Carwin UFC? Yeah, Shane Carwin. Yeah, those mitts, dude. Two eighty-five is two eighty-five. He picked me up. When I first met him, I first the first day, I, first time I met Brennan Schaub, Shane Carwin, and I had known uh, Nate Marquardt, who was a great fighter. And Shane Carwin picked me up and squeezed me. He squeezed my body. Right. And and I went and I, and I, I went. I started tapping immediately, and he goes, "That's forty <laughs> percent." <laughs> and I looked at Nate Marquardt, who who was you know one hundred and seventy pounder yeah. and strike force champion, fucking monster. I go, "Can he do that to you?" And he goes, "If I let him, he could do that." Like there are men that can squeeze you until you. Yeah. Well, Tim Kennedy, I came to my show with all his sheepdog response yeah, guys yeah. in in uh, fucking uh, Austin. And by the way, his boys are like X Delta. Yeah, Ex-dev yeah. group. Yeah, like yeah. These, it's like fucking Spartans. Sp I'm just like, I'm such a bitch. <laughs> I'm such a bitch. And they're all in the room. And Tim comes up and just picks me up and squeezes me. He goes, ah, like that. And I wasn't ready for it. I didn't brace for it. And he, I got a little hemorrhoid. Oh, <laughs> he good. popped a little. Popped a little. My little, little, my little, butt, my little butt hurt for yeah. a couple of days. Damn. I, mm -hmm. Yeah, to go to wet wipes. Yeah. Most, most interesting man in the world right now. Who is it? That's such a good question, man. I think it's this guy, Dr. John Vernacki. Mm -hmm. um, he is a cognitive scientist, and um, he has a series of lectures. And he's, you know, it's rare. I, I also, on, on my podcast, I interviewed Peter Zion, who huh? is a global strategist, yeah, who yeah. talks about the collapse of globalization yeah. and how China is probably not going to be China in 10 years, as you know it, uh, for all these reasons, and and just talked about how lucky we are as Americans because we have energy independence and uh, and we can make our own food and all that. Um, that was fascinating. Um, but so so there's like different kinds of knowledge, right? There's like there's knowledge where you where you know something and mm -hmm. you you get information um but then there's uh maybe something approximating wisdom right there's something that like sometimes you'll hear someone talk like a cognitive science who also has has read all this all the philosophers and is also spiritual maybe religious but you don't know what they mean but they can they have a vocabulary for how to describe god and then they'll say things like he was talking about how the romantic comedy has done more damage to us and our idea of love than almost anything else. And you go, at 55, huh. I go, huh? Yeah, I go, yeah. what? And he said, the problem with relationships, you know, he had a thousand things. There's a, there's, a, there's a great podcast that he did called Below the Line. My buddy James Bashara has this, he's a startup guy and he has a podcast for startups called Below the Line. And Dr. John Vernacki was did a two hour, but my buddy James asked him the greatest questions and they were talking about love. And he said, this, there's this idea in romantic comedies where people, you know, the, the idea is the universe conspires for you to find the one. Right. You know, they, like it's, it was meant to be. And you guys were made for each other and you find each other at the end. Yeah. And that it, is that, that's it. Yeah. the holy grail. That is happiness. Yeah. 
And we have actually, as a culture, uh, ingested that, and we believe that. That's what I was talking about. What, like one of those, the, one of those juggernauts of truth that mm -hmm. we just assume is true right. that yeah, we just yeah. adopt into our belief system. Well, that's the biggest bunch of shit in the world because. What you're doing is you're saying what used to be um, you're saying that 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 uh, you have many needs. Right. But the person there's a one person that will fulfill in your life what used to be the job of religion, the job of mythology, the job of community, the job of your job of 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 career, all these other things that you got fulfillment from. And oh, by the way, you also had somebody you could share your life with. But now we have put all the responsibility of all the happiness and all the things that human beings need. And we need a lot of different facets of fulfillment. All of those things are now looped into one person. And you wonder why your relationship doesn't work. And it's the, the problem is putting happiness so many of so much of our joy and our suffering is is a function of putting all that responsibility on somebody else mm -hmm. who, you, who you have decided is the one. Right. Get the fuck out of here. It's bullshit. It'll never work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not how what a relationship is ever supposed to be, mm -hmm. and it's ridiculous yeah. to put that kind of responsibility on a person. The other thing he said was fucking fascinating. Was So this is why I think he's the most interesting man in the world. He's talking about purpose. And we all have this idea that purpose is what we, you know, what is my purpose? He said, that ain't enough. And that ain't enough because... Everything that you do to get your purpose will be, you'll use everyone as an instrument along mm. the way to getting your purpose. Right. You'll use everybody as an instrument. You know, this friendship here, right? It's a Machiavellian principle, right? Yeah. This friendship here has developed into a brotherhood mm. over a long period of time. It's not like you met Matt and Matt met Evan and all of a sudden you're like, I love you. But you do that with a with a with the opposite sex. It's it's yeah. sexual infatuation. Mm -hmm. You're like, holy yeah. fuck. And then everything kind of, you know, yeah, dies. But a friendship kind of develops, um, it's apocryphal, right? It's it's like it, 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 it develops uh, and you love the person as you get to know them more, as you even see their faults and stuff like that. So purpose is not enough. You can find your purpose. You build this huge community, this huge company, you got money, you got everything else. It ain't enough. It's just not. A better a better question to ask and salvation lays in this question or answering this question. What would you want to exist? And I'm quoting him now. I'm not, this is not my sure. idea. What would you want to exist even if you didn't exist? What would you mm. want to continue existing even if you didn't even if you weren't in the picture. And that kind of friendship and those connections between human beings are actually what we stay alive for. Mm. And, it, and that's actually what you should really put your attention in. And it goes back to what you were talking about. You've built a community here. What you come in here is it's not about selling coffee. It's about what you built and the people you get to share it with. You know, that story you told about your family sitting around and you're, 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 you're telling fart jokes and your, your wife is reading, you know, that book, uh, and, and, and you're watching your dad and you're watching these generations of connection. You better connect to that. If you don't, that's probably where, you know, darkness, that, that's, that, that's, that's sort of the soil for which darkness grows. Mm -hmm. That's a metaphor. That's interesting. It's a gardening it's a good metaphor. One. I like that. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah. I'd, I'd say Dr. John Vernacki and uh, Jordan Peterson are my favorite yeah. people. Those I listen good. to a lot of Jordan Peterson. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I was the first one to uh, to uh, podcast with him. Really? You know Seriously? That? Yeah, and, know and that. Rogan called me and said, that guy Jordan Peterson was great. I said, yeah, that's an understatement. Yeah. And uh, I, I did two podcasts with Jordan, and then, and then, uh, and then, yeah, he was, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. I think he's a saint. I really do. I'm yeah. gonna watch romantic comedies tonight now. Yeah, you do that. You are a romantic comedy, bro. That's how I met my wife. I dropped something. We bumped heads. Um, yeah, in yeah. A street corner, yeah. and then everything was good. Right. Do you know what I remember no about you? It's such a weird story, but it, it's when I I realized how that you were a real motherfucker. Like, uh, and this is a, such a weird thing to say, but you. We were talking, we were in a car, and I think it was when we were shooting Range 15 or something. We were in a car, and, or a Jeep or something, and we were driving, and uh, you were positioned here, and I was here, and you said, it's so weird, you said, we were talking about wearing seatbelts, or there, there are no seatbelts, and well, we'll just hold on to things, and we were saying, well, if we stop short, we're going to collide heads and kill each other anyway. I know it's a weird thing to say, but it was like I, I I realized that I was like Matt Best was a guy who'd come into contact with objective reality <laughs> as a soldier, and you you were you were aware of how bad things could get. Yeah, and it was so interesting because I because you you have a certain look. You look like an actor, a good looking guy, and all that. Yeah. And my my ex girlfriend was like ah, Matt Best and everything else. Super but hot. but which I'm still not over. But but <laughs> but I remember just kind of like Sorry. being able to connect with that and respecting that sort of like. That understanding of objective reality. I don't know. Well, it's a it, weird it, story. Fair, yeah. it is interesting because I, I was having that conversation with uh, somebody else asked me, like, you know, war, something about war. And I was like, well, what war does for some people, speci specifically me, there is a, there's, there's a very specific time and place where I realized that, in, and it's a double-edged sword because you can also go down more of a nihilist road or you can look at it from kind of this is tools and techniques for life in the in the context of we controlled our fate like like very specifically you know i had this like like profound moment almost like you know a, a super dose of psychedelics or something right where you're like what the fuck this is life-changing because you realize that nothing there are no rules or constructs there there the only thing that we have is are are these laws and regulations that are ultimately built by by man but when you throw all those out for instance in the invasion of iraq i remember very specifically points in time going there are no rules to life anymore we write our own we are the masters of our own destiny and fate ultimately and morality, any and all things are decided on this like these things these collective heads in this moment Damn. from second to second I decide no whether book. You're right there the is book. no book. And so what that did, and then the repetitions over and over and over, kind of going in and then looking at the artificial existence that we put specifically on rules and regulations that don't exist, by the way, that we kind of layer in like, I can't do that. Well, what the fuck is preventing you from doing that? Yeah, massive constructs. Yeah. Then when you strip all that away and there's no rules, like the rule book goes out, the only rules... Our physics. That's it. Damn. When you Damn. boil life down to only Damn. physics, it is fucking wild. It, it is like... That's scary. It blows your entire fuck. mind And that is away. the fog of war, huh? Or maybe that's the clarity of war. It's the clarity and the fog both. Through chaos comes clarity because you can ultimately look at things for real reality. It's almost... 
What is the governor then for you guys? Obviously, there are rules, and you can get in trouble for certain things. Obviously, right? Of or, yeah, yeah, of course. But 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 the yeah, that's. I mean, sometimes it's, it's physical and intellectual capacity, and then ultimately within the constructs of law mm. and physics, right? Wow. So it's it is what it is. So when you look at like uh, physics, right? are the, that's a fascinating. Statement. When you when you take yeah. everything are the away, only fucking law. And if and if that's the way that you've looked at life from its purest form, which yeah. is physics, are the only law. You need more than that when you come out of it. It's fucking wild. Yeah, but y- y- you know you can't. I don't know that you can just live on. I don't know that that's enough to sustain someone for their life. I don't know. I I, I don't know that that kind of. I understand it and I agree with it. There's a there's a measurable reality you're talking about. There is a mathematical reality to living that extreme. Well, there's a challenging experience. perspective mentally, I think, as well. I mean, you know, there was a point where I'd accepted that there, the high probability that I was going to die or severely get injured, and I didn't care about that. And then you survived, and I didn't get severely injured. That, that's, yeah. that's, where the, that's where the self-help see, shit s- needs to come in, because you're like, I didn't make a plan for this, because I'm alive and I'm a civilian. Yeah, I would also weird, argue that you one. guys, you, Evan, specifically, and Matt, I don't think you guys live uh, that reality, though. Thank God. I don't think that that's what keeps you, sustains you, that the idea, you have had to contend with that reality in certain arenas, which is Agreed. the only rule is physics, but... but that's uh, not how I live life no, now. No, 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 not, no, not in the slightest. No, no. no, who would want to? Thank no. God, we don't have to. I well, think well, if you live when that you, long when you enough, you'll lose your, God. When you commit, like, no one gets this experience, which is like, I'm extremely fortunate to have this experience. When you've committed your life in the concept of I am dead. So you've defined yourself as dead and the only rules are now physics. <sighs> when you live and exist in that environment, it changes your life forever. It changes your brain. It changes your DNA. And when you live in that reality and there's a, there's a hard, there's a, there's a really hard adjustment specifically for guys that have lived in that reality yeah. And then now they come back to the social constructs where artificial reality is is ultimately defining what you can or can't do, and it can become very stifling. It can oh, yeah. become it, it can prevent individual and personal growth because you're like, I'm just envisioning this right from like specifically a lot of my friends. I was talking to this guy the other day. He's a former um, uh, Delta Force guy. It was like one of your hardest adjustments that you're going to have to adhere to is you now you're moving into a world where you're playing by other people's rules. And those rules can be very inhibiting to individual growth. And you won't be able to have as much impact directly related to the outcome of your success. So if you're making entry into a building or you're planning an op or whatever it is, you're defining your individual success on not only your pre-planning, your planning, your execution, your post-execution, you live within your rules that you're setting for life or death in that time frame. Well, the only mission is survival, right? Correct. So you know what happened to me that that I never really talk about because um, it's a little bit embarrassing to talk about in a way, but I, I, so when I was in Afghanistan and we, it was 2007, I think, and it was pretty hairy. And they would brief us on um, suicide bombings. Mm-hmm. And it was happening all the time. And they would even say, we're to look out for a purple or Toyota sure, yeah. pickup Bolos. and all that Bolos. shit and all that fun. Mm-hmm. 
And and so I did certain things. Like I put on a bite suit and they let the dogs loose on us. And 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 then I did um so so it was the daily worry of getting into that Humvee. Yeah. And fucking driving around from, you know, f- base to base and not stopping and all that, knowing that we could be blown up and that mm-hmm. you can't get out of those fucking things. You can't. So my adrenaline was always pumping. And then we did a war game. It was just with simulated war game mm-hmm. with a screen. And dude, I was fucking, I became inappropriate. I was I was screaming at my friends who were comics going, cover your fucking flank. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm like, the fucking guy, you got to shoot that fucking guy. I was dead serious. And I got such a rush. I was like, ah, kill. I was killing everybody. I was just fucking, ah, you know, just, and I, I, I couldn't help it. And you know how it gives that, that CO2 jerk? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fucking murdering people because they, they'd have somebody come up and it's like, a, it's a woman making yep. noise. Yeah. Like, ah, <laughs> and I was, and it was like, I don't know how long the game was. I failed miserably, but I killed some motherfuckers, right? <laughs> I got so addicted to that rush that when I came back after two weeks to LA, a couple things happened. One is, and I called my buddy, I go, dude, I fucking, like I get wanting to be in a war zone because I, I got addicted to that ad- adrenaline. Mm-hmm. It was it was like fucking, uh, I, I had a problem, man. I had like a, well, I, I, I didn't know who else to talk to. I was like, that shit was such a rush. Even the fear. Yeah, like, yeah. like I felt, and, and then I'm in a restaurant and the guy comes over and I went to the hospital and saw some shit, you know? And, well, I was having a meltdown, by the way, and I, it was so were some of my friends, and I was like, hey, listen, motherfuckers, we're recess. We can't come in here and be up, fucked up over the things where we saw some stuff, you know, some injuries and stuff. I said, our job is to hold it to fucking gather and be silly geese in here and make these nurses and make these motherfuckers laugh. I don't care if you're dying inside, because I, I had to get, I had to check myself, because right. I wanted to cry, you know? I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not used to that shit. I, I was going to lose it. But, but, like the 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 uh the rush of 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 all of that shit that came that came to and then i'm in a restaurant and the waiter apologized because they didn't have the lamb shank <laughs> they said we did we ran out of the lamb shank if is there anything else and he was so apolog- and i had just come off the plane and i was there for two weeks as yeah. a comic yeah, doing yeah, nothing yeah. Yeah. And I was and I was like, and I and I remember just being like, I'll bring out whatever you got. Like I, I felt <laughs> I was I had disdain for myself for where I was living and for everything else. And I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine serving even one year because I would have been a very different person. And I would have and I would have had trouble. I would have well, nobody trouble. And, and, and you don't care. Like you don't really care about small shit. You don't really no, care. Like you don't care about you don't shit. care about any like any of the bullshit. It's like it doesn't matter. It's all like little like it puts a lot of things into perspective and we talk about it a lot in the company where it's like, that's the one thing about this company that we, we have is you have a bunch of guys that have, you know, been to combat here and they understand how to put things into perspective. It's yeah, like, Hey, yeah. we're selling brown caffeinated water and yeah. making funny jokes. Like yeah. that's what we're doing. You know, we're building something much bigger. It's, it's much more impactful, but we're not risking life limb or eyesight. And so you know, perspective yeah. is, is, is everything. And that's one, like, that's one of the other gifts that I think it we get from this experience is we just know, man, we know like this, this, is this, this is finite. I'm not that important. Like, can I be, can I like dedicate myself to something bigger than myself? Can I be a really important, you know, dent in the universe? Yeah. But 
in the context of you know billions of years as far as like the 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 sun rotating you know or, or, or the earth rotating around the sun and like well you've just seen, uh, you've seen people my, my buddy is the runs the catastrophic injury uh uh wing of uh, uh west virginia hospital so yeah. he's He's with people who never walk again. That, right. That's what this daily, daily, daily. Thing, you know, yeah, and I rough. go, what bothers you? He goes, when anybody complains, yeah, fuck your complaint. Like yeah. I, if people complain, I'm like, ah! you know, because yeah. you have no idea. So. Yeah, it's like you know, you, you go out, and I mean, I like I was, I was, can't remember what we were talking about. It's like if you've taken a shovel and like scooped up suicide bomber parts outside of a gate and put them in garbage bags. Yeah, it tends to like put life into perspective bit, for people, bit. and then you do that a few times, yeah, and then you get a little bit more, and then you 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 tend to live a different reality than a lot of people. Well, I notice that guys like you guys who've been through that are never macho. There's no uh, like all the tactical guys at Andy's thing. Like there's some dead yeah. guys. That one dude looked like he came out of the center of the fucking earth. Like he looked like he had just been like you know how yeah. you, yeah, yeah, you come yeah. out of a building and just covered and just blood like. <laughs> You know, I mean, he looked like that all the time, you know, and he was a dev grew guy who yeah, I think yeah. uh, Andy said, well, that was the that was the best seal I'd ever worked with. He killed more people than COVID or some shit, right. you know, it was like just a complete badass. But but when you talk to those guys, there's no macho shit They're 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 just it's the last thing they're interested. They're they're eclectic in their thoughts and their and ideas. And I found it very refreshing. I love that. Talk yeah, to the Medal of Honor recipients. Yeah. Medal they're Honor, the most humble like, tier one guys. They're like tier one guys. They're just yeah. just so chill. I mean, yeah. because I think that they've come to the reality that it's it's training and being proficient in the craft of war. But the the like. A horrible freaking shot with an AK-47 shooting like this can end your life that's just it, by fate, that's it. you know? And so everybody like, dies the same way, everybody right? Everybody dies, like, right, yeah. So, I don't care how strong you are, mm -hmm. you know? That, uh, yeah. A five, five, six. I think that's is why that a right? lot is that of... The, five, five, six, yeah. Is that, yeah. The, is that a real book? Yeah, yeah. 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 I, well, I think that's shit. why nice. a lot that's of people... Or 223. That psychological adjustment, you know, going from this place over here, which is a a it's a complete life-changing moment psychologically and physically. Yeah. And when you're living that life and then you go to this other one and then you disconnect from your tribe and you're also living within the, the, the regular social constructs and you're disconnected from your tribe and you're somewhat of a, uh, you, could, you can have kind of an existential crisis for a lack of a better term. So you're yeah. going through all of these different things. Now you compound physical injury you know, maybe a brain injury on top of that. And then you layer in substance abuse because of, you know, loneliness and emotional emotional and psychological stress. Those are compounding. Those are the ounces that equal pounds. And then yeah. that directly contributes to, I think, the, the acceleration of, yeah. of suicide, which... Because men, men don't have anybody to talk to. Well, and that's, it, that's the other thing that I, I know. That, like, we just don't... I, I like... I'm not going to call my friends and be like, I'm having a hard time. I, I just, I, I, I'm not that kind of guy. No. I just kind of fucking grind it out. It. I yeah. do, man, dude. I'd rather grind it out. I don't know who the fuck to call. Yeah. Like, you know, that's like my joke. And, it's not and healthy, my, but. Yeah, but it's my, my joke. Um, you know, I, I do this joke in my special where it's like, I call my buddy and I was like, I'm sad. And he was like, you got the wrong number, pussy. And it was like, Joe Rogan, that's so mean. You know? <laughs> and I was like, well, I, just, I don't know what to do for you. Ah, you'll be fine. Yeah. So there's nobody to, you yeah. know, that's that's the thing, having a community you drunk? where you can like, yeah. Yeah, I'd be like, are you drunk? Like, what's going on with you? Why well, are you that's what we me? do. We do yeah. get, we get drunk so then we can talk. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. 
Well, Brian, boys. Yeah. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you so much for coming Thanks, on. man. Hey, Thanks where can me. people find your special? YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. YouTube. Man Tears. Man Tears. Just dropped. Complicated Apes is also now on YouTube. And uh, yeah, check Podcast. it out. Podcast. Podcast, Brian Callen Show. Yep. Uh, Best of on YouTube, which is my TV show with Brian Shaw. It's dropping soon. And then uh, uh, Fighter and a Kid. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks, brother. That's Fan it, brother. fave. Thanks, yep. fellas. I'll get you some uh, toe holds. You yes. earned, look at me. You've earned it. <laughs> You've earned it. For decades, buying a silencer has been difficult. But in 2005, Silencer Central set out to simplify the suppressor buying process. So whether you're planning your next hunt or putting together a range day, you'll enjoy every shot you take with Silencer Central, straight to your front door. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Drum titties, boy!